Heyo, welcome to the Popco Project Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Wild Meats. Listen, we all have that person on our holiday shopping list who has everything. Don't waste your money on socks or ties. Get them the gift they really want, and that is meat. They have several gift boxes all ready to go over at wildmeats.com. They are packaged in a nice box that you don't even really need to wrap. Get it delivered right to your door or right to the door of the person who you're buying it for. And you can save 20% today on your entire order with the code hashtag POPCO at checkout. Now that's hashtag and all caps, P-O-P-K-O. Wildmeats.com, use the code word hashtag POPCO, all caps, P-O-P-K-O at checkout and you will get 20% off your entire order. Wild Meats is locally owned and operated in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. My guests today are both from local and national level bands. They are also brothers, and I am extremely honored to have them as my first guests on the Popco Project podcast. Here is Ted Felicetti from the band Don't Panic, Don't Panic, Don't Panic, and Rob Felicetti from the band Bowling for Soup. Yes, the band that brought you songs like 1985 and Girls All the Bad Guys Want. Let's do this. Good. I actually never had it before. So I took it out of the fridge. I took a sip and I was like, ah. Now you're going to associate it with winter. It's a winter shandy. The first time you're having it. Did they make a winter shandy? I think they did. Uh, what is it? Is it Lion Kugel, right? That it makes it? I think they, they, yeah. they, they make a winter something or other. Lion Kugel is like the. Uh, <laughs> it's like. Oh, the, no, is it the Miller Light of, of uh, those like kind of beers? It's to craft beer. <laughs> like, God. It's, it's like a stepping stone, I guess. So, so just everything I drink is the Miller Lite of that thing. Yeah, it's Miller Lite's the Miller Lite of Miller Lite. <laughs> How you doing, John? Everyone, everyone that's listening is completely uh, not in the know of what's going on, but that's okay. <laughs> Nor should they be. Welcome to episode one. Episode one of the Popco Project podcast. We're doing it. I can't believe it. It's a new I'm era. Excited. New. It's a new era. But um, hey. Yeah. You know what? Why don't you just catch me up and tell me how this show came about? I don't know either. So this is new to me too. Brilliant. So yeah, so it would be perfect segue into uh, how this came about. But uh, as you can see on the screen, I'm joined by Rob and Ted Felicetti. Rob is in the band uh, Bowling for Soup. They uh, had a song you may have heard of before, Stacy's Mom. <laughs> 1985. And I was actually surprised at the the number of listens on Spotify. I thought Stacy's mom would have been number one, and it's not. Well, I'm sure the Fountains of Wayne version is. Well, for them. <laughs> am I fucking? Am I wrong? No, you're no, not. No, no, no you're, I'll I'll I'll, let, I'll give you the. So basically, do we, I can't tell if it was a joke. If now I think the joke's silly. So it's a joke on me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Correct me if I'm speaking and you already know this. The song Stacy's Mom is by a band called Founds of Wayne. Yes. You knew that. Okay. Yeah. People have mistakenly, mistakenly thought it was Bowling for Soup for a long time before 
everything was much easier to access. Like Napster, like Napster would like go the wrong title, with like wrong title things, and yeah. uh, so people thought it was a Bowling for a Soup song. So then the band just started playing it live, and then the band recorded a version of it. So <laughs> Bowling for a Soup recording of Stacy's mom is it, it's, it's it gets very complicated. So like right. that's actually that's as complicated as it gets. All right. So, I would think the Spotify numbers on that are lower than like they the are lower. Yes. But then, but then Jarrett wrote songs with the guy from Fountains of Wayne, right? Yes, he did. And he he wrote like a bunch of their the bigger like a bunch of the bigger songs. You no, know, the so only like this right weird that, that was a single was um with Jarrett. They the, so Adam from Fountains of Wayne and Jarrett both wrote the Bowling for Soup song "High School Never Ends." Adam also wrote, this is, I think it's a little added funny bonus about the whole who wrote what song and did this is Adam also wrote that thing you do from the movie. He, he, he wrote right. that song. Yep. And uh, I remember, and my wife listening to Bowling for Soup said the song trucker hat sounds just like the song, that thing you do. So to me, I thought it was another little silly thing where the guy who wrote a song with Jarrett wrote a song, Jarrett wrote a song that sounds you know, that other people could think sounds like, doesn't matter. You get what I mean. Right. And then Jarrett also wrote a song with Ted. He did. He did. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all coming together. <laughs> but yeah, so thanks so much for doing this. This is a great way for me to kick things off. Um, uh, Ted is in a band uh, locally here in uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania called Don't Panic, uh, who yes. is uh, very successful, uh, very popular. Uh, they oh. just released a new album called uh, See Through It All, which is available on all the streaming services. You can also purchase, uh, I think, bundle packs, I guess, right, from your website as well? Not anymore. Not anymore. Sold Not anymore. Out? You missed it. No. Sold out? Well, okay. Yes. Yeah, so all we got left is CDs and vinyl. All right. Well, that's still and cool. Not many of those either. That's still cool. Very cool. But um, so I started this, this uh, the Popco project um, because unfortunately, um, well, I used to be the host of a radio show called Alt Natives on Alt 921. And it aired every Saturday night here in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And it featured an hour's worth of music from artists in and around NEPA. Uh, Ted and Don't Panic was uh, one of them. That's how I actually met Ted. Although yeah. we've never actually personally met yet. It's just No, yeah, because of, when we started talking was during this lockdown crap. Well, actually, it was before well, that. A little bit before that, yeah. It was like yeah. a month before that. I was playing your music. Uh, I actually had you scheduled to play a show that we were doing uh, for yep. Alt Natives Underground. That was thinking yep. March or April, and yeah, I April. Got canceled obviously. So, uh, so yeah, I was the host of that show. Um, the uh, stations decided, or station I should say, decided they wanted to um, play Christmas music from November through December. <laughs> kind of bring joy to you know people in 2020 you know it's it's been a shitty year i get it uh but that means uh, there wasn't a place for me uh so they said the, the show is on hiatus um oh so so you guys are still it's still a rock station and it's just doing christmas music or you don't, know? don't know exactly or you can't say I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be after the christmas music but okay i mean i'm sure you can both uh, kind of put together that you don't you don't alienate your audience by playing two months of christmas and then <laughs> go back to what you're doing you know it just doesn't work that way <laughs> i find it odd that a radio station would decide to play christmas music in 2020 
in the day and age we're in, where it's like, if I want to hear Christmas music, which I always do at this time of year, I just tell the device who I can't name right now to just play it around the house. And then if I want to listen to the radio, not only that, the radio there's a lot of so like, everything every on demand right now. So why, why would a radio station like do that? There's a lot of, there's a lot of band Christmas songs too. You could just play. Yeah, like, we used to. We used to. We used to kind yeah. of mix in the the Jimmy Eat Worlds and the Smashing Pumpkins, and, we're, and that's what we're doing. So there's also a station in this market called Magic Ninety Three, who also plays yeah, Christmas yeah. tunes. But they they're kind of like you know the traditional stuff, and they start the, the day after Thanksgiving. We started November fourth, I think it was whatever the day was after the election. Really we, getting a jump start on it. We I, I it, it's been received well outside of like the local bands that you know, no longer have their music on the station and just people <laughs> who were really, you know, devout alternative music listeners, the advertisers like it. I mean, again, I think, um, I'm still employed by them. Thankfully I'm still, yeah, no, no. you can, you can watch what you say. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I won't goad you into talking garbage no. on the, on your, on your, uh, you know, the but, guys who employ it's, you. It's been a, it's, it's been received well outside of, everyone who loved the station <laughs> and everybody loves Christmas music. And I'm so happy they changed to playing Christmas music. <laughs> Not, doesn't matter what I say. So I'm going <laughs> to, but so that was, that left me out in the cold, uh, during Christmas. So, um, they said it was on hiatus. I don't your know. Brick basement. Yes. I'm it's freezing down here. Um, so they said a, a hiatus. I don't know what that means. Um, so I was like, I you know what, do. I I can't, <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't sit here for two months uh, and not knowing what's going on, and you know, lose what I've built for three years. Um, you know, I've been in this this local scene for almost seventeen years now. I've always been a part of that, and I I just, I just couldn't see myself like not in it anymore. And I, as silly as it might sound, like hosting that show on Saturday nights at nine o'clock gave me a sense of purpose. It really It's not silly. That's awesome. It, I didn't get paid for it. I, I did it because I loved it. Um, it. It gave me a sense of purpose. It really did. So I was like, what do I do now? Um, and then I was like, maybe I'll start my own online radio station where I can still play these bands. But then I'm like, you know, like going back to what you said, Rob, I mean, if I want to go online and listen to music, I'll just pick whatever I want to listen to. I don't need some idiot telling me, you know, <laughs> here's 10 songs, or whatever, listen to these. Yeah. There there's was a time special. when they found it, but that's not yeah. how it was anymore. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, but there's still, there was something special just to hear your music on the radio. I think, I think there still is yeah. Yeah. because yeah. anybody could put the music on, on Spotify, you know, but like, to get on the radio, you have to send it in. Yet someone has to at least listen to it. Someone has to think it's good enough to play. Yeah, that's the thing is that it's it's not so much that people can listen to it. It's the fact that they picked you. They're like, this is not terrible. So we'll let other people, we'll, we'll put our radio station stamp of approval on this. And that's what's the exciting part. Right. Because you can, anyone can listen to your music now, especially. You're like, yep. you know, just download it or whatever. It was the fact that like, yeah, we sent our song to a radio station. They listened to it. They didn't think the song sucked or it sounded like garbage and they put it on the radio. And you're like, yeah, like that's like a, it's a form of validation for a lot of the bands. It yeah. makes them feel like, hey, you know, we might have something good. Yeah. So it's everyone appreciates what you do. It's really cool. Well, thank you. And uh, unfortunately, I can no longer do that. So I wanted to still have some kind of connection 
and this is the best outlet that I've come up with. Um, it's great. Is still being able to talk to you guys, let you talk about your music, what you have coming up. Um, I want it to be a promotional platform, but I also want it to be just us shooting the shit too. Like, you know, we can just hang out, catch up. I get to talk to Rob. I've never talked to you before. And again, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, I'm in my base. And Ted, thanks for setting us up. Yeah, but, no you know, I'm, and it's no, it's no secret. I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. So um, I kind of get inspiration from that. And I kind of wanted to create that. I see your little eyeball thing there. Yes. That's, that's the third eye. That's the, yeah, uh, yeah. it's a custom made lamp from Scott Nichols. Ooh. So the, uh, the top here, that uh, light is encapsulated in like a, a microphone wire almost. And then that third eye is uh, part of Joe Rogan's logo. And is yeah, yeah, I recognize that. <laughs> I recognize that as well. But yeah, so I mean, here we are um, today. Um, I don't know when this will post, but on December 1st, we just launched the uh, t-shirt campaign, which is uh, Shirts for the Scene, which um, is an online store that has, uh, I forget the number right now that it has, but I think it's one close to 80, maybe less than that. but. Um, just logos of local bands. So you can go on there. If you purchase don't, the don't panic shirt from there, the proceeds from the sale of those shirts goes right to Ted's band. So mm. obviously this year has been a terrible year for uh, artists and musicians because they can't tour. They can't play in local uh, bars, restaurants, venues, whatever it is. Uh, and which also means they can't sell merch. So I was like, how can I create something that can help them make money? That's a great idea. It's cool. I can't take full credit because Axelrad, they, they did this for local businesses back in like April, May. Um, but it was a way to kind of keep the businesses locally here alive. And I don't think the bands really thought of themselves as like a business or, you know, they didn't think this would be going on this long. Um, so really the bands didn't really participate in the, uh, the campaign. Yeah. I went to Axelrad. I said, Hey, I want to steal your idea. Um, what do you think? And we just kind of limit it to just bands and like, you know, photographers, it could be booking agents. It could be whatever, just people in the entertainment media and the entertainment business, um, and have a, have a direct, you know, campaign for just them. They're like, we love it. We're on board. Let's do it. So Axel Red sounds like a guitar player from like an eighties band or something. No, like, Axel Rose and he's a singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Axel Rad also. It kind of reminds me of uh, one of the teams on California games on Nintendo. Like that'd be like one of the teams you could skate for. Those uh, brands Ax that would be your sponsor. Yeah. Like, like Milton Bradley and then Axel Rad would be one of them. Axel Rad. <laughs> or it sounds like in a cartoon if they were like, you know, they couldn't say like Axl Rose or anything, you know, anything like that. Like they it's would, like a uh, car drawn cartoon guy who's the singer of rock star. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. They're all cool dudes. Like, and they're like, I don't want to say like hardcore, but they're like, they, they just, they don't give a shit and they get shit done. And it's amazing. It's um, such a cool place. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't met them yet, you should. Uh, at least Ted. Right. Well, Rob, Rob lives in the Rob, if, you, if you're looking for a new, uh, if you're looking no, for no, a new, new uh, merch, merch uh, person, oh, I'll set you up. He's not in charge of that. 
I can't, I can't even make get that. in charge of it. Get in charge of it. Now you are. I just made you in charge of merch. I actually think who does our merch, I actually might be wrong, but I think who does our merch is also owned by our management firm. So I don't think they're going to change. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a monopoly right there. Yeah. Man, I, I just had to mail out, speaking of, I had to mail out like all these t-shirts and stuff today. You don't want to be in charge of your merch. It's terrible. <laughs> like, I, was, I know. I was standing at the post office and like, I had, I don't know, I had like 50 of our orders or whatever in this big box and I was like standing at the counter and then there was like a line of like 30 people like waiting for me as I was like taking each package out one at a time and like the ladies like, does like, because a lot of stuff we were mailing goes to the UK and she's like, so what's the area code on this? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like this is your job. I'm handing you these information, then you mail it. I don't want to know what the area code is. You get the thing. Like, I, I remember doing this with uh, Anthony and Travis like forever ago, being in the, the post office somewhere, like Ohio or something like that. And like we had like a system set up. Anthony was like basically keeping the, the teller at bay and like Travis and her filling out these slips and slapping them on there. And just kind of oh, yeah, the, the foreign them. slips. Yeah. yeah, but like filling them out and doing it real quick so that we – and it gets to Anthony goes in and at the end of it, there was a huge line. Everyone was furious. And the receipt was like, as long as if you bought like a stick of deodorant at CVS, like the longest receipt you could possibly imagine. It was like, it was like 22 <laughs> feet long. We like stretched it out and it was like in the parking lot to see how long it was. And it was ridiculous. Is it anything like a CVS receipt? I just said that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually made a well crap. I said, it, if I say it again, it's not funny. So I'll say it again. I said it was like buying, it was like a stick of deodorant at CVS, the res, what the receipt would look uh, like. Okay. Yeah, Do you know that this Popco here? You know, like the, anything you buy at CVS, the receipt's like oh, 12 yeah. months. Oh yeah, and I think every store is now adopting that uh, feature. That should yeah, be. I went to the grocery store the other day and I was like, it literally it was like, what is it, CVS? I only bought like 10 things maybe. Why, what, what is the, why would you want to adopt this feature of adding a gigantic receipt? How does because that benefit I think anyone? they're selling advertising space. Honestly, I oh, think it's weird. Okay. Yeah, there's like these little things on them about like $5 off on a car wash or some shit. I don't know. I also could be wrong. That's just what I think it is. I hate it. It's stupid. It's very stupid. And it's I, more. I, I think the summer shandy is getting to Ted. It's blocking his ears. Right, what are you doing? Is he yeah, just not is. hearing stuff? Just not no. He's not listening. Actually, I got distracted, but Jared had texted me to thank me for a package I had sent him. Get off I, your phone. I, I turned it off. I, I turned it off. Thank you. At least it's not dinging. I t I, yeah, I made sure that it was off. So, well, Ted, talk about uh, the new Don't Panic release. Uh, obviously, you've been releasing like a new song, I think, every six weeks. Uh, I had the pleasure of playing a lot of those, um, but the full album yeah. is complete. It's done. It's out. Um, and it's, it's great. So talk about releasing an album uh, in a pandemic. Uh, it sucks, but <laughs> uh, it, it's cool. Like, I don't know. We, we recorded this album last, what was it, Rob? November? It was like October of the year. Yeah. 2019, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we went in the studio in last October and November and we recorded this album. So, I mean, it's old to me. Like, it's cool that we're releasing it now, but the plan wasn't to do it this way, obviously. Like we had a different plan and then we had to kind of adjust based on everything that was happening. So, uh, the singer of Rob's band, uh, Jarrett, who's like 
helping us and like kind of mentoring my band a little bit and, and guiding us through everything was just like, Hey, don't release an album, release singles all year. And that way you have stuff going on because you, now that there's a pandemic, you can't tour, you can't play shows, can't do anything. So like you always want to keep look, making it look like you're busy. So like if you're releasing a song every six to eight weeks, it looks like, oh, we're always doing stuff. Like even mm-hmm. though we've done it, like it's already been done. Like we did it in, in October, November, and we're just, all I'm doing is like submitting songs. Like I'm not doing anything. But uh, so starting in February and then every six weeks we put out a new song. And then the idea was to eventually release it as an album. And I figured, yeah, let's just do it in Black Friday in November. You know, why not? So we released seven single songs. And then the rest of the album, which is another four songs, uh, all came out uh, this past Friday. And uh, again, because of the pandemic, like we didn't print up a lot of physical CDs or vinyl like we had planned. So we just did a really limited run. So that's what I was saying at the beginning. Like there's not a lot left because you know, we only printed up a couple and we did like a pre-sale, like all this other stuff. So we have like a handful of CDs left and then we got like a bunch of vinyl left, but it's, you know, it, it's awesome because at one way, like people don't have much to do. So they mm-hmm. want to like listen to new music and watch videos and like, you know, like Rob's band does like a lot of like digital hangouts and stuff where like the, their fans will watch them talk and all that kind of stuff and just drink. And, uh, you know, it's cool like that, but it sucks be at the same time because you want to like play for people. Like we have all these songs and we have, can't even play them live. It sucks. Yeah. So like we've done three live stream shows up till now. And that's the only time we've played any of the songs on this album. Like, uh, you know, I'm mean, giving actually play them for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, otherwise it's been good. It's been, you know, the, the most we could do in a year like this. Yeah, but you know, I I also think that um, the way things are going to happen now is that, that bands are going to release singles and not so much records anymore. Oh yeah, you know, which I, I don't get- like. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I I like it and I don't like it because I like it because um, you get new music. It seems every six weeks. Um, oh yeah, There's but I also lots. like I also like getting that full uh, album that I listen to front to back, and. Um, but I mean, I'm also 38, so it's like, yeah, like that's like for a got people our age, uh, that's like what we grew up doing is like you went. To, I remember, dude, like we used to like go to the the uh, was Gallery of Sound, yeah, and we would wait. We'd go at midnight sometimes, and a record would come out, yeah, and yeah. we'd be like, oh, the new whoever CD's coming out, like let's go at midnight and get it, like because they would open up just to if it was like a big band, you know, Green Day or yeah. whoever. It was awesome. And you hadn't heard any of the song, maybe one. Maybe you heard like the first single they put out. That's how they used to market it then. They would put a single out in a video and that was the commercial. And then you'd go and buy yeah. the whole album. Yeah. And, it's, it's, like, and yeah, then more it's often. There, but it's much, it's much different. And that's kind of like how we sort of grew up here and then playing music and stuff. It's just funny how the, the, like how the landscape changes. So you don't really get to do exactly what you thought the thing was to do. Like, starting in a band like me and my brother actually started a band together when we were like kids and that's how we all got into this whole thing yeah and uh, when you're when you do that like you see like the music video on mtv and you see then the the album like the cd in the stores and then like 
you know, becoming an adult and like doing it and like going for it, it's like different now than it was that long ago. So it's like, you don't really go through the same steps that you thought you would to do. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we would be like, all right, these are the things we're going to do. And we have like this, like, we're going to follow this plan. By the time, yeah. By the time you get to the age where you can, it's like, oh, the whole industry is different now. Like don't even do that stuff. Yeah. yeah that's why we literally just said, what's the language rules on this, uh, uh, show here. Say whatever, he you said, want. whatever you want. He said shit. I didn't say shit already. Tabs. Anyway, Bowling Pursuit, we just said fuck it and we recorded an entire album this year and it's going to come out next year. But um, yeah, like we did the let's just go away together and make an album. Not do like, ah, oh, we'll do a couple days at a studio here and then go home for like a lot. That's how people do it now. They they mail each other hard drives and they use yeah. Dropbox. And, and, but we were like, no, let's do it like the way it's done like let's get together at a studio and like yeah. show up with half done ideas and make them songs you know and jared and i were sending demos back and forth to each other like like i'd use garage band and send him stuff and that's kind of like how we put some songs together and then he would send me stuff that he did at home because he's got this studio set up there and it was all just really rough purposely not thought into too much just ideas so then when we did get to the studio we could actually do the the job and do the work and, and the fun part, I, which I like to think of it as. And um, it was neat to do a full album like that again, because it's been a while since I've done it that way. Yeah, we, we were kind of lucky because, in a way anyway, because we, we recorded our album, like the album that just came out, in right before all this crap happened. You basically so it's, did it that way. Yeah, so, so we got to just be like, hey, whatever. Like, it didn't matter. Like, we went and recorded the album. We hung out. Now it's like a lot of people, you know, you see like the music videos where it's like the split screen and like all the guys are in their house. Like, you know, like everyone's like doing that kind of weird stuff. Yeah. So like, we did one, <laughs> we, we did one this summer. So it was, it, at least we got to like sneak in recording an album before the pandemic hit. Yeah. We got to sneak in a tour right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. I lucky. <laughs> yeah, Rob. What is, I mean, you, you, you're obviously in a band who had some massive hit songs. Like, what what has it been like uh, for you um, being in that that kind of band uh, over the years? So, it was a it was a very steadily gradual sort of like line towards it, and then a huge jump. Like, kind of. So, my brother and I started a band when we were kids, and did the like play everywhere at every, all of our friends parties and do all that shit. And, and like, you know, just do what you do when you're a kid. And then we like decided we we're going to take it seriously. And like started like, I don't know, my brother somehow was getting us like on these shows at these bigger bands. Like we would do a bunch of shows with catch 22 back in the day for us. That was a oh, huge deal. And it's, I mean, awesome. We, we did, we did dates with like rise against and like my and chemical romance. And, and, yeah, yeah. These bands before they like did anything, but like still right. like they were bands that were getting these, this traction. We do all that stuff with those, those drive-through records bands back in the day. And uh, we just like, we just sort of started just not stopping. Like it's basically being so annoying that we had to play every single show everywhere. <laughs> and like for kids, we, I remember like the night before taking my SATs, we were playing, we were out with catch 22 and you had to drop me off at school in the morning so I could take the test and then yeah. we went back out. So we were just kind of doing that thing for a long time. And then, uh, my brother continued to do it and I kind of stopped because I was young enough that my mom could tell me what to do. <laughs> like we were out like being in a punk rock band, like doing some cool shit. My mom could still basically say yes or no. Right. So 
I went to college and, you know, and it wasn't the greatest thing in the world and it wasn't the worst thing in the world because I still am really close friends with a lot of, a lot of my college buddies. And um, during that, I was like restless. I'm like, I want to keep doing this. So I started another band with my buddy, Corey. And that band, we, you know, we did some cool things. My brother got us on some warp Tour dates and stuff. And like, we kind of had some, uh, the word success is not what I'm looking for, but we had fun. And um, did like Good a tour things. of the Atari's. And then we did a lot of stuff with the, with uh, this band called Patent Pending, who Corey and I would end up joining. When our band sort of dissolved, we both just basically joined Patent Pending, did that. And then uh, Patent Pending was like kind of getting a little more traction at the time. So it was like getting introduced to like, like the real world of touring, like a little bit more extensively. Like we started, we started doing like more longer runs on the warp tour and we started doing our own tours just across the country. Nothing huge, but like enough that like well, you guys went on tour with like simple plan and stuff. That was a little later on, but yeah, like you yeah. sort of felt like, you know, we like we were starting to do the real thing. And, and then we started traveling overseas because we became really close friends with Bowling for Soup. <laughs> it was taking us all over the place they they were just because jared's thing with with bringing bands on tour is like i don't care if you're the most professional this is or that. It's like i just gotta i just want to tour with my friends so we hit it off really early on with them like basically the first tour we did with them by the second day of the tour we were all just partying in the bus together like it was very easy and organic and like that was the kind of people like you meet them the first time and you're like we're friends so and we all stayed really close over the years and with Patent Pinning, we started doing the, the festivals overseas and doing a lot of UK stuff. And that I was getting very like put into the, wow, this is like the, the real world of touring. Not that it wasn't the real world of touring before that, but it was a little more substantial to me. And then kind of busier and busier than then sort of uh, our singer Joe like, had a family, you know, which that happens. And um slow well but what i mean by that is like we slowed down a little bit not like oh we came to a halt because he had a family he right. should be having i know i know he's married <laughs> so um like just things kind of were slowing down a bit not like uncomfortably but like right around that time then uh jared called me he was like hey uh, we need you to fill in for us on the warp tour for on uh, for gary on drums and i was like yeah sure uh that sounds fun so i went out it was like a quick short run that we did and uh, coming home from that i was like oh wow i was like i'd never had that treatment before i've never just had the only obligation of just all you have to do is just play this instrument for 30 minutes and you could do whatever else you want you don't have to touch anything you don't have to you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. that's it carry a bunch of shit upstairs oh yeah and, and i've done that well, i've done it all i've done it all for years, <laughs> and years and years and years so then like doing that i was like well that was fun and then i kind of just went back home to my life and then the next year they were like hey you're calling me again he's like hey uh i was like oh wow did gary break his arm or something. Cause the year before he had a kid, his, his baby, his daughter came a little earlier than they thought. So he couldn't finish out the, the warp tour dates. So yeah, the next summer he was like, Hey, he's like, no, actually he's like, we need you on base and bowling for Steve's been the same guys for 20 something years. So it's yeah. not like, it's not this thing where there's one dude and a bunch of band members that have kind of just cycle out. This band's very close knit friends. If I'm talking for too long, feel free to no, stop. No, 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 no. This is, I love this. I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious as to uh, how this all played out. And how and how old are you at this moment? Right now? No, no, no. When you're like getting called up to say, "Hey, I need to play drums." Hey, well, that was only drums. like three so years ago. Like oh, it was yeah. pretty recently, four years ago, something like that. Okay. And um, yeah, and then he's you know he was like, "Hey, we actually need you to, to fill in on bass." I was like, "All right." I'm like, 
great. That sounds like a lot of fun. So he's like, it's a little bit longer for Ronnie's like, plus we have like more commitment things. He's like, and we, I kind of, we're feeling out like what's going on right now. So I was like, okay, I, I met him for, for that. I showed up and we hardly practiced. Like basically I met him at the, they're all Dallas, Texas based. They're very, very into that. And I've never, well, I mean, what I mean by that is I've never met a band that's like more into like where they're from. Like they all have tattoos of Texas everywhere and shit. Jared's guitar is the Texas state flag. People so, love Texas, man. You don't have your Pennsylvania tattoo still? No, I don't have my Pennsylvania anything. <laughs> so, I'm like, the, you know, I, I water them down a little bit by being from <laughs> Pennsylvania. So then <clears throat> kind of we did the, the that summer on the Warp Tour and it was a lot of fun. And then right into that, it was just like, like I, they're like, hey, what's your, like, they basically had me like shared on this calendar and they're like, hey, just let us know what you can and cannot do. And they like send me these things. I'm like, before I look at it, I can do it all. Like, right. <laughs> just, just sign me up for it. Whatever you need. And whenever you, whenever you're done with me, just let me know. I was like, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. And we did, we did Warp Tour. We did uh, this other festival. Um, I think it was with the Spin Doctors. Oh, nice. And then it was just, this like one after the other, like kind of the rest of that year. And, and like closing out the year, Jared was like, Hey, we, I want to, I want to go to the UK again this year. Well, uh, for the first time with me being in the band, he's like, I want to do a, cause the band's much bigger over there. It's really weird. So he's like, yeah, we, we should do a tour with you in the UK. And I was like, all right. I was like, that's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Cause they're very loyal fans there. So it's like kind of nervous how that would go, but I was still just filling in. And then we get there and then during the tour, um, like into it a little bit, maybe the second to last day or something, we were in this like dressing room. I know exactly where it was. It was in Leicester. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Leicester. Leicester. I could be saying it wrong because it's England. And they say everything different depending where you are in the country. So they're like, Jared was like, Hey, we wanted to like, this was like maybe 10 minutes before going to play the show. We're just sitting in the dressing room doing what we do. Just, you know, yeah, for, that, that, is, that is exactly what they do in the dressing room. <laughs> it's really nice. I, but you, right before we play is when we start to rally and start to, Jared will start just yelling and, and that's, and then, uh, so anyway, right before we go on a play, he's like, oh, we wanted to like kind of bring you out to a, for a beer and like kind of talk to you about this. But like, we, we all want you to join the band. Like we want you to be in full time. And I was like, okay, he's just kind of laid out. It was all like coming at me very fast. He's laid out to me what that meant and how it works and everything. And I was just kind of like, it took it in. I was like, yeah. Like I'm in. Let's let's let. I joined, and then we played the show, finished the tour, went home. Couldn't really say anything because I think like legal stuff had to be worked out. We get back, and then it was just kind of like, all right, like this is my it's my career now. And then it was just a couple of years just straight of that, like just nonstop. Like we did this tour was, and it's cool because you know that happened, and I was already like like I said, gradually was got myself around these kind of neat things, like doing the warp tour and and doing the. Uh, so you meet a lot of bands and become a lot of friends with different people doing that. And then doing the overseas things and the festivals, like becoming friends with bands, you don't never really would think you'd be friends with, but those, the festival environment is just kind of hanging out with people. So like I became friends with a couple of dudes from like Dragon Force. Like I'm not like a metal guy, but it's just cause they were fun guys. We were just hanging out, like drinking Jack Daniels. Like that, that was fun, you know, like, and, and I keep in touch Like we text still. So like, Things like that happen over the years. And then once I joined Bowling for Seal, I'm like, man, now we're like co-headlining with Real Big Fish who I love, and Less Than Jake. And, and uh, and like, we're taking Lit with us on the next tour that we do. And that's like a band that I love. And like that, they're going to be like a, like supporting our tour, which is crazy to me. 
so that's kind of, I mean, that's basically the long and short story of how this all kind of lined up and how I ended up in this <laughs> position. It's kind of, I don't want to say by accident, but it almost is kind sure. of by accident. I feel like that's what everything is though. It really it, is. It, it it's really like is. You, you just kind of get on your surfboard and you just ride and then wherever it drops you off, that's where you are. Like uh, yeah. you sort of lean in one direction or the other, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm friends with uh, Aaron Brock. He is the current bass player for breaking Benjamin. And mm-hmm. you know, I used to Pennsylvania bass band. Yeah. And I, I, we used to, well, he used to play like solo shows at a bar called Liam's. Uh, that was just one of the, the venues he play. Um, and we get, we get drunk and we would, after the show was over, the bar shut down. He'd be, uh, we'd go out to a Subaru and he would uh, share with me a, a new track that the band Panacea was working on. Um, so he was, he was humping gear for a long time um, and just kind of stayed in the circuit. You know, I don't, I don't want to say met the right people at the right time, but kind of. And what I did. the bass player for Breaking Benjamin. And it couldn't, it couldn't have happened for a, a better dude. He's a, he's a great human being, um, great musician, uh, and so it's really cool to hear things like that happen. I I think I remember seeing that. Happened. Well, I remember seeing that Panacea band on flyers for like Cafe Metro, yeah, and like Home Base. If you remember those those venues, I think I think Home Base is like this warehouse in the middle. Yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Home, Home Base was like a warehouse. Yeah, and then and you, you, know, awesome. Ca- you remember Cafe Metro, John? Yeah. So I was in it like right before it closed down. I was on South Main Street in Wilkesbury. Yeah. I, I grew up in the country. So like, I didn't, I didn't go out to see any shows until I actually moved into my own apartment when I was like 18 years old. When I was in college. Oh. Okay. Just because like to get anywhere, it was like 45 minute drive. And I, you know, if, unless I was driving, I wasn't going. And um, yeah. So like, so like what Rob said, like, you know, when we, when we were young, so I was 16, 17, Rob was like 14 years old, uh, maybe 15. And we played in a band with our friend Ian and uh, we played at lots of like, we play everywhere, like literally, like he said, like birthday parties and basements. And, but we'd also play clubs and we played Cafe Metro a bunch of times in, in uh, Wilkes Barre. That was like home basically our home, like our home venue because there's no other venue def- to play at home. Yeah, like it was cool. definitely one of them. Uh, and, you know, because you, are you from like Scranton area? Is that like where you would call home? Me? John. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know where our brother's from. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, Wilkes-Barre is probably closer to where I grew up. but Okay. Yeah. yeah. So even more so then. So like, so me and Rob grew up in Blakesley. Okay. Which is like, you know, down 115 from wilkes I know yeah. exactly where that is. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't live in, we lived in between Stroudsburg and Wilkesbury. Right. So we kind of, we kind of treated both as our home, honestly, more Wilkesbury because they had the better mall. Right. Like, <laughs> and, but there was also, there was really nowhere to play in Stroudsburg. Like Wilkesbury had like for, for a band like us, like it was these like cool, like clubs, like cafe Metro and home base where Stroudsburg would just be like, it would be like a VFW. There was that place that would like just start like, um, the underworld you're talking about before that, what was the, we never, we were, like oh we uh, bismos bismos yeah so yeah, like we yeah. just missed that like completely like com- just missed it and then the underworld kind of started doing its thing yeah, we were yeah. already doing the cafe metro and home base thing right and yeah. then the underworld like opened 
Yeah, we, we, I mean, we played a lot of cool shows at Metro. We played like uh, Big Wig and Catch-22 and Digger and like, you know. Autopilot. Yeah, and there's a lot of cool shows at Metro. And I remember that Panacea band playing there. I, I definitely remember their, the more you their say, name. The more familiar it sounds. They had like dots. Like, I think there was like, it was like a... Yeah, it was like P-A-N or P- P-A dot. Dot. Yeah, you know, they had like dots in their name and everything. Yeah. I, I def- yeah, I definitely remember them on the flyers. Yeah, I, I wasn't introduced to them until like 2005, I guess it was. Okay. I thought they were going to be the next band out of out of this area after Breaking Benjamin. Um, and Aaron was in that band, too. But, there you go. Yeah. But, you know, there's been a couple really awesome bands out in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, though. I mean, and we've been fortunate enough to know a couple of them, like, I played in a band called Split 50 for a while and we did, you know, we were pretty busy. Kind of kind of like similar to like how Rob, like Patent Pending was. Like, you know, the same kind of vein. And we made really good friends with uh, Motionless and White and those guys blew up. Yeah. 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 Like, but, you know, the way we know them, like I met Motionless and White and they're wearing like backwards baseball caps and like Dickies and like, you know, they had like lip rings and they're listening to Blink-182. Band, uh, New, New Car, Car Smell was, was the name of... What was the place? The Strands in, uh, by Hazleton. We play all the time. With, with yeah. Them. And there's a, there's a place like in like Plains we used to play too with them. Man, I don't remember the name of it though. The Staircase? No, it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, the Staircase. That's what I was thinking. Pittsburgh, okay. the Staircase. Yeah. That was like one of the first clubs too that like we we played like had like a real sound system and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually fun. The funny thing about Motionless and White is like they're I don't I'm sure you know who they are, but uh, Johnny. Yeah. But like they're they're super heavy as mm-hmm. far as like things that I listen to are concerned. And and um, they've gotten like incredibly successful and like it's cool to see. Every time I'm out like doing something, like seeing them out and about also. But like they mostly. At least I could I can only say this for Chris because he's the one I've probably known all along because some of the guys like I was introduced to later on and they're all great people. Yeah. Like Chris sort of grew up listening to the same stuff that like I did and even yeah. so a little bit uh, even a little bit more in a direction that I didn't go like he he's re- he was really big into like Blink One Eighty Two and like That's he also funny. loved like the like Newfound Glory and those kind of bands and stuff and uh but now he screams and and those things, <laughs> super heavy music so but he was also like into Bowling for Suits too like because that would have been that fits the timeline for back in the day so yeah. when i started playing with them on the warp tour the one year motionless tonight and white was playing as well and they were like headlining one of the stages there's no headliners on warp tour but they were one of the bigger bands on like the, the heavy stage right so um i saw chris a few days in i was like oh hey he's like what are you doing here i was like well i'm actually filming bowling for soup he's like wow that's really awesome that's so cool i'm gonna i want to come check it out i was like great i was like i want to make sure to see you guys it's been years since i've seen them play i was like i kind of want to see what this looks like now because i'm used to seeing them play at the yeah, clubs on, on the floor yeah, in a fire hall with like yeah you know, so I, wanted to see them. I really thought it'd be cool to see them do the, the thing you know in front of thousands of people so uh yeah it was like we played or we didn't play it was like or it was i don't know it doesn't matter we were somewhere and i saw i was like oh cool like actually i'm gonna make this happen today like i want to go see i'm gonna go see them and i was sitting with gary in the bus we we're just drinking coffee and he was like, yeah, I've heard the name. He's like, I'll come check him out with you. He's like, we don't play till seven o'clock tonight. And Jared's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we're going to go see this band. And Chris was like, and my brother can attest to this. Chris doesn't, didn't want to do anything. He wants to sit <laughs> in the back of the bus with his dog and watch movies. But he was like, oh, but he likes metal. So he was like, yeah, I've heard a lot about that band. Fuck it. I'm coming with you. Let's go. Let's just take a band trip. We're going. So we just start walking over to their stage. We get over there. 
and I see Chris. I'm like, hey, buddy, like, I brought the band to come watch. He's like, what, you brought the guys with you? I'm like, yeah. And he's not usually one to, like, act excited. Like, it just kind of was not neat to see that. Like, this guy who's about to put these thousands of fans out there. Covered in white makeup. From, you yeah. Know, like, <laughs> all, like, jazzed up to, like, scream in a microphone at, at 3,000 people. And he was like, oh, man. He's like, that's so cool. That's awesome. That, that's fucking great. And, like, we kind of stand on the stage behind him, and they're doing their thing, and it's awesome to watch them. And every now and then, he'd look back, and he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I just so the, I thought it was hilarious because I'm like, no one in that crowd has any clue who this band is, uh, and, and this the guy singing that they're adoring right now is like, man, this is a band that I listened to back here. <laughs> it was really, it was just a funny, funny moment to see. Plus, it was really cool to see them like, like I said, like do the thing. It's That's so crazy. Yeah, it's funny because Chris's personality isn't like that. Like, it doesn't match. I think the music. Yeah, he always. I mean, he's. MC said in like interviews and stuff. I haven't really talked to them much about this, but he, I've heard he says like, that's where he lets it all out. He's a pretty yeah. shy and reserved guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like, my hey. wife went to high school with him actually. Oh yeah. Most positive. Yeah. Yeah. They're from, all from like a, was it Pittston? Was that the yeah. town? Yeah, yeah. They're like from like, you know, all that, like those like side Wilkes-Barre towns. <laughs> yeah. Auxiliary Wilkes-Barre towns. <laughs> Well, uh, Ted, you were saying you were booking shows. So I, I believe, uh, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but you book shows in addition to your own band, correct? Yeah, you are. You don't have to apologize. You're 100% right. Uh, I'm a booking agent by trade. That's what I do for a living. And I book, uh, right now, I represent four bands. I book for the Ataris. I book for uh, Richie Ramon, who is the drummer from the band The Ramones. Uh, a band the Queers and a band called Bigwig from New Jersey or Tennessee now, whatever. But that's what I do for a living is I book tours for those bands. So like I, I, I uh, it's kind of how I got into uh, the music industry as like a profession was back in the early 2000s when I was playing in Split 50, uh, we actually ran one of the stages on Warp Tour. Uh, so the singer Zach and myself, we he owned and we and I managed and produced the stage. So like I booked all the bands on the stage. Uh, we were in charge of paying for everything, getting the tour bus, getting the staging equipment, everything. And you know we we started it because there was a band called the Phenomenots who would play every year on Warp Tour, and there is like weird kind of like I don't know if you ever heard of the Aquabats, but it's like a similar gimmick where they like dress up like spacemen. Actually, and they saw have support the Aquabats once. Like, oh, well, there you go. So uh, they had a stage on Warp Tour that was like crappy. It was like on the ground, and you had like two speakers, and it'd be like if you walked into Warp Tour. Oh, on the side, there's like some bands playing over there on the ground, and it'd be like one of the little things you do during the day. They stopped doing it, and we called Kevin, the owner of Warp Tour, and we were like, "Hey, can we do that? Like, they're not doing it anymore." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't care. Go ahead." So like, great. So we started booking this, our own stage and each year it would get bigger and bigger and better. And we, you know, the next year we'd get a a gear sponsor and then they'd bring a bunch of extra gear. And then the next year we got another sponsor and then we were able to afford a real stage. And like, you know, it kept growing and I was booking all the bands and I booked a lot of cool bands on there, you know, bands that like me and like Rob said, like when he and I grew up doing this, we played with and made friends with a lot of bands who wound up getting huge. But like, you know, all time low, we're like really good friends of ours. And like, 
This band four years strong. strong. Yeah. yeah. Emotionless and white. And like, you know, we, we would get all these bands to play our stage. And uh, I really liked Down with Webster. Down with Webster was really cool. Yeah. They're kind of like gym class heroes, I guess, sort of. Like, I mean, not talk, I, I do like gym class heroes, but Down with Webster, I think, okay. is awesome. So, you know, we did that every summer. And when we would get home, we would book shows, like not as like a touring, like we would like rent venues out and we would put on shows. And then we got actually kind of good at that. And like, we actually started doing shows in Scranton at Tinks when it was okay. Tinks. Yeah. So that like, shows that, yeah, shows that I put on like at Tinks, I did like Hate Breed. I booked that at Tinks. Oh, wow. Uh, Eve Six played at Tinks. I booked that. Don't forget. I think I was there. No, I booked that show. That's awesome. Don't oh, like, forget which one. Trapped. trapped. Yeah, I booked Trapped at Tinks. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the, LFO. Let's, let's go back to Trapped in, in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we put on a lot of cool shows and after a while of that, and that's what I did for a living for a while, I got tired of that and I was like, I fucking hate doing this. Uh, I decided I was good at booking my band's tours and we had just made friends with the Ataris. And Chris, the singer, was like, do you want to book our tour? And I was like, sure. So like, I booked their tour and I put Don't Panic on like just as I had started Don't Panic. So it was like 2010. And uh, I booked that tour. And at the end of it, he's like, you did freaking awesome. And he paid me. And I was like, oh, all right. So then for a couple of years, I started finding bands that I would book their tours. Like I booked for a band called He Is Legend. And then I booked uh, some dates for Motionless and White. Uh, I booked for a band called Screeching Weasel. Uh, you know, it's like a bunch, bunch of really cool like punk rock and scene bands. Doesn't kind of just, from Set It Off still owe you like 75 bucks from like back Yeah, yeah. if you ever heard of the band Set It Off, I booked them a tour. And they owe me $75 from that tour. It's like 2000. Like every other day. And it's like 2008. I booked them a tour. It was set it off in patent pending. Set it off owes me 75 bucks. Bastards. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I did for a living. And now that's what I do for a living. And uh, I don't do it now because yeah, no one can tour. So you basically, you got double fucked. Yeah. yeah. Both fists. Double fucked oh, you. Like, both my asses. Jesus. You have two asses? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whew. Sure. I guess it takes two to get double fucked, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, not no, no that's certainly. not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it definitely it double sucks. Like you know, all the bands I work for can't tour, so I can't make any money. My band can't tour, so I can't do things that I like. Right. So that's why you know, going back to putting out the record for my band this year, that's why I had so much time to focus on like let's promote these singles and let's do you know. Let's do videos online and let's do live streaming concerts. Like I have nothing else to do. Like, so it's, it's been kind of good and kind of bad. Like I think for everybody, you have to find the best stuff you can pull out of this situation, you know, turn this shit into good, right. The best you can. So, yeah, I mean, I keep seeing people, I mean, <clears throat> well, not seeing people just hearing too, like nothing's going to go back to normal. Like we're not going to go back to what it was. I don't agree with that. Not a hundred percent. Yeah. These are like, I I hope I, dude, I mean, I think the only changes will be the positive ones. So like changes, for instance, will be like bands will do more streaming stuff online for their fans when they're not on tour. Well, they also might not because then then it decentivizes the, uh, the ticket sales for life. As far as a whole, I think the positives coming out of this is, 
I hope people will be a little more sanitary. People will yes. start washing their hands more often. Like <laughs> those are the things that like, I'm like, I'm not even kidding. Like it is funny to say, but like at the drive through and Taco Bell right now, for instance, like you order it, you put your, you put your card in the reader. They hold it there. Never leaves your hand. They hand you your bag on a tray. You know, they, it was just bagged in the tubs. Like it, it, I've noticed that like food preparation is much more sanitary and clean and, 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 uh, yeah. They should continue that. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of things that I, I sort of like about that. Not that I'm a germaphobe, but I'm like, man, why weren't we doing some of this shit all along? Right. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, like blowing, blowing out birthday candles on at a, someone's birthday. Yeah, you're like, let's just not do that. We don't need yeah, to do that anymore. Don't like, do that, I, yeah. I always thought it was gross. But that's but so much not. fun for little kids, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, but they won't, if, you give them. Why did a little kid have their slice? Their own cake. With the, yeah, with their just a slice of the cake with the candle. Why do we blow all over the everyone's cake? Yeah. See, so these are the changes that I'm looking forward to. Maybe <laughs> the porta johns at the concerts will be cleaned during the shows. Oh, that's, that'd be gonna great. that's never going to happen. No, no Man, matter I don't how know. the world gets, those are always going to be disgusting and awful. John, have you ever been to Warp Tour? Yes. Have you been in a porta potty at like five o'clock in the afternoon at Warp Tour? No, because and when I here's how here's the no, thing. that's what I'm saying. You don't want to be there. Here's the the the, the porta potty rule with the Warp Tour is so at each location that the morning of they get delivered that day from whatever providers in the area. Right. So if you're doing the tour and you happen to be up in the morning, like if you're up at like seven in the seven morning, o'clock, yeah, you have to go take a poop, whether you want to or not, no matter what you level force that shit on, out, whether you're the biggest band there or the smallest, nothing like that's your chance because you're in the middle of a field all day. Sometimes like, right. That's it. You can only pee in your bus or pee in, in an RV or, or behind a tree. Like basically your <laughs> options are limited once it comes to pooping. So if you get it out at seven in the morning, it's pristine and it's clean and it's not like a humidity, disgusting box. Your poop, your poop, you mean? What's that? <laughs> it's, I said your poop is clean and not disgusting. Sure, no, I mean it. <laughs> no, it's probably terrible. <laughs> sure, it's awful. But like, if you get in there that time of day, it's acceptable and it's fine. But that that's a that brought back some like bad memories. Just just uh, afternoon warp tour porta potties. As far as like concert stuff and all that i would say if you think about it and this is the way i think about it i might be wrong before this happened did you even know about the 1918 pandemic had you even heard about it i had, heard about it but that's only because i like stuff like that i heard okay. about it but i didn't i didn't know much about it it's, it's called the spanish flu yeah like that was like, that was it was like it was like a thing and that's probably the majority of the information you had about it yeah. is what i'm saying People basically forgot about it and they, and they're filling stadiums and they're filling, you know, eventually people are just like, yeah, no one even remembers that for the most part, besides well, his name, maybe. Most people aren't around from then, but yeah. But my point is, is that eventually people are just gonna be like, I don't give a shit anymore. And they're going to go back because there's always going to be something like this. So it's like, you either just keep doing like, like Rob said, we're, you know, let's just be a little clean. Let's. Let's not blow out the birthday cake, cake and let's, you know, hand our Taco Bell food on a nice tray. Outside of that, I think people are going to still crowd into clubs and they're going to, you know, once they're allowed to, they're just going people to. People want to do it. I mean, I see on like, if I look at any, any social media thing to do with the band, because I like to stay on that. I like to interact at least and like stuff and shit. But it's like, basically anybody that wants to go see shows is like, I'm fucking ready. Like the second we've got the green light, we're going. Is well, I think... 
I think people need that. I mean, there's, there's something special when you're in a room, no matter how close you are, seeing a band that you love, singing the song that you know. Uh, there's, there's definitely something special about that. And I, and I hope that never goes away. Um, oh, and this is thing, like his, I, I personally, we, we did do the live stream show thing. Like so basically uh, earlier this year, when this kind of, everything kind of went crazy, uh, like a couple, not even like two months in, Jared was like, because our band, we actually all like each other. Most bands, a lot <laughs> of bands aren't like that. And, and a lot of bands aren't really close friends. But in, in Bowling for Steve, like we all, like we text each other every single day. Like whether it's just playing games or just shooting the shit, like we are like very, very close. So uh, Jared was like, this is fucking stupid. He's like, I haven't, he's like, I just haven't seen you guys. And he's like, I need to see you guys. Like, let's just, let's either, if we're not going to, we did like a couple of those like FaceTime together on the phone. And he was just like, why don't we just put this on Facebook? Like, or, or one of the, like the streaming things. Cause it's not like we can go play a show anyway. If no one watches it, who cares? If people do watch it, great. If they see us doing something. Right. So we're like, sure. So we just call them band meetings and we just do That's absolutely funny. nothing. We basically do something like this with less direction. And, um, like there's just, no direction here. I, I don't know what you're talking this, about. This is a, this is a, a high budget Hollywood film compared to what we're <laughs> my millions of uh, viewers and listeners. Yes. So, hey, so people are, are going to be excited to do, to watch these every week uh, because I think you did so much, you supported those bands so much that they're going to be excited to support you back and support each other. I think it's great. Yes. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that you're going to have a good audience every week. Yes. I hope so, man. Or a month or whatever you do this. I don't, <laughs> don't want to lock you into a weekly show. Well, I mean... Whatever you do it. I'm hoping to do it more than, more than once a week. Um, and not to get back on me because this is about you guys, but I, 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 also, I also want to... You know, obviously, the anchor of this whole thing is the music. I mean, it's been a part of my life since I can remember. You know, my, my parents were always listening to to music in the house and in the car. And like, it's always been a huge part of my life. And I remember being 18 years old, wanting to be 21 so bad, not to, so I could drink, but so I can go to the bars and like listen to the bands, you know? Mm. So it's been a, a huge thing for me. And I, I, I started my career at the weekender, which was at one point the area's number one arts and entertainment magazine or newspaper rather. And um, it was a, some of the best times of my life was, was, working there at that, news, that newspaper. And um, so it's just kind of almost ingrained in me. So um, so the music is going to be, you know, first and foremost, but I also just want to have conversations with people who, who want to talk and who are kind of making a difference in, you know, our area. Um, and then I also did that Sober October, obviously in October. Um, and I had people reach out to me saying, hey, you know, you're a real inspiration. Um, you, you motivated me to do the same thing. Or I had people who like, le like legit had, uh, an addiction problem and, you know, reached out to me and said, Hey, like, you know, I'm really proud of you. Um, I don't have a problem, but they're like, I'm really proud of you. You know, like I had a drinking problem and I made it through it. Like it's hard, but like you can do it, yada, yada, yada. So there's, I think instances in people's lives where, um, it's kind of frowned upon talking about. Um, um, I'll just say it. Uh, my wife uh, had a miscarriage last month or in October. Oh, ter terrible. 
Yeah. And unfortunately this is the third, the third, uh, um, loss that we've experienced in the past, Oh, 12 months. This one was much worse than the last two, just because we, she was further along or whatever. But I mean, women in those scenarios are kind of told like, you know, don't talk about it. Um, it's something you should be, they're not told this. I'm sorry. The, the socially, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, socially, like, yeah. I'm not socially, but just like, it's something you keep to yourself and like, you know, you don't talk about it. It's, it's like, it's an embarrassing thing uh, that, you know, happened. And like you're saying, it's not right. It's not, yeah. but yeah. in history, it has been portrayed that way. So people like, so what long story short, people will go through things and they either don't have people to talk to or, you know, society says they shouldn't talk about it. And I want to have discussions, um, you know, with people who are counselors or people going through things or, or, or just give a platform for people to, to utilize and, and, you know, help them get through something if they need to, or help inspire somebody else. Um, that's cool. So that's kind of what I would, that's kind of the goal of this whole thing. But I mean, it starts with, you know, you guys, it starts with the, the I'm not a very good counselor. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but we're not coming to you for counseling. No, but you know, I mean, honestly, you come to musicians and most musicians are the most fucked up people, you know, so we we're the ones who need the counseling. Right. Yeah. I can use plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, I feel like uh, bands and musicians today are different from what they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. I feel like you guys get kind of, you guys get the, you know, it's, it's, you guys, people think that you guys just get drunk high and fall asleep on the floor. Some, some people do, but that's not, that's not my experience. My parents think. Yeah. No, like back, like before our time, like, like I think you guys, like guys like you, you're you're more serious about it. You take it more seriously. It's, it's almost, it's like a job for you guys. I think it's like eighties was drinking and cocaine. And then like nineties was a heroin. And it's like, that all that kind of stuff is like, I'm sure there are bands that do that, but honestly, I would say the majority of bands that I hang out with or tour with or whatever, yeah, everyone's like pretty relaxed. People drink and have fun, but it's not right. like. Here's another thing though that like I've always kind of thought about uh, with, with like the day and age that we live in, right? So like, uh, the Beatles, for instance basically arguably the biggest band that's ever existed right like sure. some people say that's not true doesn't matter you, the, the point is like take a band like that right i don't think that uh fame would have happened the way it did for them if every single person that listened to them was accessible to the little moments of their life as much as they are now like the fact that oh yeah Harvey and john lennon and ringo and, and george harrison were these like unattainable things yeah. is because they weren't posting on Instagram every day about what they were doing. You didn't right. see any glimpse into their life there. And you didn't even, you, if you wanted to see their face, you had to wait till they came on TV. Like you could, people would wait outside their hotel room and wait for them to wave from the balcony. You know right. what I mean? like, that was because that was the, but now you just open up the internet and you can see whoever you want to see. So like the, the celebrity is a much different thing now yeah. than it was then. And the reason that ties in is because you know, much less about their, like I, I'm, certain that the Beatles were doing lines every night, even when they're like, <laughs> they're pretty boy, like, you know, like wholesome phase, like those guys were getting hammered and doing drugs all night. So, um, or not, you know what I mean? So that's, right. it, it's, uh, the, like you said, there's this like sort of stigma that goes around it and, and like these, uh, assumptions about like 
what the lifestyle is like, but some people, I know I'm friends with plenty of bands where I've toured with them. Like actually, uh, when I was in the, uh, I actually was in that band, the Ataris for a little bit. That actually happened. Really because like every band or, or you're either in the <laughs> band or one of you knows a band that I loved, absolutely loved in the early two thousands. Well, uh, it was because I was filling in with my brother's band, like touring as a guitar player with them. And they had someone during the tour, someone quit the band. And I, Chris asked me to just jump, kind of jump in and finish out, asked me to join for a little bit. But anyway, I did a few years in that band, but like we brought a lot of bands out because I did a lot of touring with the Ataris. That's like a nonstop touring band when things are like that. And we brought plenty of bands out that are fun people. I like them a lot, but like, man, I've, I was, some of those times were the first time I'd ever seen certain drugs in my life in real life. Like, oh yeah. Happened and I was just like, oh my God, like this is what's, and we, it's not like we were doing these huge fucking stadium tours or like anything. We were in like these shitty little clubs in Mexico and like dudes would be like, I just got this drug that I'm going to fuck. I'm like, all right, you know, fun with that. I'm going to drink this PBR over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's like, I don't even want to be around it. I feel, I feel like just like the size of a refrigerator. And I'm not talking about like pot. Like I don't care about pot. Everyone smokes pot. I don't, but mostly everybody does. I'm talking about like people like shooting heroin or something. It's like, I don't even know how you could tour like that. Like it's so tight. Like on a band, like a lot of work our, as it is. Yeah. Like our band, our size, you have to load all your gear in and out of the, every club, every night you have to do all the driving Man, You know, we did a, we did like a 40 date us tour with the Ataris when Rob was, uh, before Rob started playing with them and Rob was playing with us is 2010. And man, that was hard. Like, you know, we're, you're driving from Chicago to, you know, Des Moines and then to Denver. And it's like, these are like 12 hour drives. So like you're unloading, you're playing a show, loading back into the van, driving 12 hours, no loading into the club. <laughs> so, I don't know where, when do you have time to do heroin? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think the guys uh, doing heroin probably had guys to do all that shit for you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure at some point. I will say, and, and it's really, it's not really saying like, I don't do heroin, but like even, <laughs> Okay. Even doing the thing where like the only thing I have to do is play for an hour. Like when we do the, the last tour that we did in the UK, it was like, a, it was a headlining tour and we, it was, there were really big rooms and stuff. So we did, we did a whole show. So like we did like 90 minute shows, like an hour and a half show. It's not the most strenuous thing in the world, but there's like, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Like we, you know, it, it was entirely sold out. Like at West, we sold out Brixton Academy. That's like one of those bucket list places. And like doing something like that, like you're not going to, walk onto that stage and like not accomplish the thing you're there to do. And even yeah. when everything else is sort of taken care of, there's still an agenda for the day. There's still, I got a sound check at this time. Then we got to do this acoustic performance at this time. Then sometimes you got to do press and you got to do this. So whether you're lugging the gear in or not, or, or just playing the show or doing all of it, there's still always something going on except for a few hours in the morning and who's drinking and doing drugs in the morning? <laughs> I think then that's more of just some, a, then, some then that's, alcoholics. Beyond, that's beyond, well, that's what I was saying. That's beyond the whole like a uh, life of a touring musician thing. And that's like, yeah. uh, well, there's some serious problems you need to talk to <laughs> about with, with somebody. Well, also too, I think like you have the phones now. So like you gotta worry about getting caught, you know, or like, you know, sure. Someone seeing you and taking a video and you're ending up on Instagram. It's so wild when you bring that up too, because like that affects everything, not just like getting caught doing drugs, but like the things you say on stage now, yeah. like the things you do with, you know, with people interacting, like, you know, band, like, like no effects where they make they like really off color, they make really off color jokes 
that's, that's what's been do. their whole career. Right. And then, but now people have their cell phones. So then they say something off color and it offends somebody. And yeah, now like, they can't play in the U.S. for an entire year. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you know, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I, that's, they're probably one of my favorite bands ever is no effects. And I completely forgot that that even happened until you just brought it up right now. Cause well, that's <laughs> it, where it was, uh, it was a hot button item and it happened. And again, I'm not for offending people. I'm for that that's what no effect does. Like I've seen them. I've seen that band more than I see any band in the world. They've said some of the most fucked up shit I could imagine anyone ever saying in front of a thousand people all the time. And the way I sort of saw that was no effects is used to, they're a band that has a 30 something, you know, plus year career where they're used to, they show up and they play for those people, whether it was the eighties when it's 10 people or it's now when it's a thousand people or more, it's just, they do that. They're playing for that crowd, right? They're not playing for, YouTube. So when, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. when they say something completely fucked up on stage, it's supposed to be the shock value and ha ha right. next song, the show goes on. Right, that's, yeah. that's the no effects thing, right? It's part of their shtick. It's part of who they are as a band. And it just so happened that it made it to people that are not necessarily fans of the band or what they do. And, and, and it can just sort of be like, well, that was a fucked up thing to say. And sure it was, but it's, you're not the audience for it. So, right. Right. I don't know. Well, it's like comedians, no, even, even comedians these days. They, I mean, they're, they're worried same about deal. the same thing. Yeah. It just, well, and that's why the, you know, for me, the best shows are the ones where the guys who don't give a shit. When you watch like Bill Burr and like, uh, no. like Dave Chappelle and all his new specials, like they're still the best shows because they're being genuine. They're yeah. just being like, I don't fucking care. I'm going to say whatever. We're all going into this knowing that everything I'm saying is not literal. Like I'm right. saying this because we're trying to let off some steam and like, we don't think this, some of this stuff. We're just exaggerating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactggerating. was on about this where it's like, it's, it's jokes. It's jokes. Like, you got to stop. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, these are jokes. He's like, this is, this is, you can't I mean, get it by a joke. I literally wrote one of my songs about this because it does bother me a lot where it's like, I, I don't know. I understand. Like, if you're like, I think intention is one of the most important things when it comes to offense. Sure. If, if there's intention to offend, then to hurt someone, then, then you're an asshole. Yep. If you're trying to go out of your way to make someone feel bad about themselves, or like, then you're the fucking asshole. If you're trying to say stuff just to be like, you know, oh God. It's like, an attempt at wit, right? Like it's an attempt to, yeah. to turn a phrase and, and, and be witty about it. And like, it's going to be a little rough around the edges. Like that's supposed, that's kind of what comedy is, right? Like Man, me, the other day we were watching uh, the Eddie Murphy special, like the famous one where he's like in the red leather suit. Man, the stuff he is saying on that thing you could never, ever do that live right now. Yeah. But people understood like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. It, it's not meant to. a lot of movies and a lot of things where you watch and like, you couldn't do it now. The Office. Like, I just started watching The Office the other day. And you, really? None of that stuff would happen today. Like the first two seasons <laughs> or whatever it was. I'm not, I'm not very familiar. I mean, I've seen the show. Neither am I. Yeah. Enough to, to know that that seems, that to me seems like kind of a recent show. I guess it's not. It's pretty old, right? It's like twenty years, probably. Bit it was like when it started, yeah, cool. almost. When did it start? Like, uh, like oh, 2005. Like oh, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fifteen, 15 years. Fifteen years old. Yeah, it's it's pretty old. It is old, but like back then, like it, but. I, my I wasn't in the right mindset for that kind of comedy, so like I just didn't care for it, and I just never got into it. But now that I'm older, uh, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's, why, that's that's why I always love South Park and like. South Park, always, well, not always, but generally is, is a very funny show. But as far as The Office goes, though, I was never really into it. I actually sort of resisted it at first because I'm 
I was younger and I could be stubborn. I still can be, but I, I sort of hung up my uh, cool guy hat and like allowed myself to uh, enjoy it when it was like on TV and like, I laughed at it and I stopped resisting laughing at it. And like, there's some really funny moments in that show. Yeah. That, I haven't be admitting it to someone else <laughs> that I, I find it kind of funny. When I've always played Game, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I haven't watched an episode of that. I haven't even watched two yeah, minutes of it. Game of so, Thrones. I, oh, Beer yeah. Jesus. So, hold on, Johnny. So, I, I can elaborate on that. <laughs> I'm going to go first. I'm taking the cover. So Game of Thrones, right? I, I, uh, my buddy Tommy, Tommy Byer. He was like, Rob, you got to watch the show. It's on HBO. It was like right when it came out too. He's like, I'm giving you my HBO password. You're signing in. You're going to watch the show because you're going to love it. And I got someone to talk to about it. I was like, all right, fine. I'll give it a shot. And I, you know, opened it up and it started. And I was like, this kind of looks like Lord of the Rings a little bit. And I didn't really get what was going on. And like, then the guy from Lord of the Rings was in it. <laughs> and then I was like, all right. Like I've Sean Bean. Yeah. Who always dies and everything apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right. I hope this isn't a show about swords and, and, and speaking like it's old England when it's not. And, and that kind of shit just bothers me for no reason, but it does. So maybe four minutes into the episode, the guy ordered a, a milady and I was like, I'm out. And I turned it off. And I, stopped watching it. I even I told Tommy to change his password because I didn't even want to like think about it. So I, st- I, I, didn't, I didn't give it another chance. And then it be instantly became the biggest show in the universe that's ever existed. And everyone in the world loves it. And then only a couple of years ago, um, my uh, brother-in-law, was Billy, was like, I was down in Jersey with, with Tim, and it was just the three of us because we were like fixing something at the shore shack. We like, put up the backsplash or something. And uh, we were just hanging out, drinking some beers, and he's like, all right, guys, you got to watch this show, Game of Thrones. I know you've heard of it. I'm like, yeah. And even Tim was like, I tried it once. I didn't really like it. I'm like, me too. He was like, let's just try it now. You know, it's been a few years. Maybe you'll like it. I was like, all right, let's try it. I got past that part and I like just the lady. <laughs> and I got to the end of the episode and like someone fell out a window or something. And then oh, yeah. uh, I just, it, not, nothing about it even seemed remotely appealing to me. And then I was like, we'll start the next episode. And like, we started watching that and I was like, I want to like it. I want something to happen. That's going to make me like it. <laughs> it. It pissed me off even more. So we were done with that. I'm like, I'm never, I'm not giving this one more shot. I tried twice. I wanted to like it and I couldn't. And that's it. I'm done with Game of Thrones. Never again. So, so the one, like me and my brother have a lot of similar interests, a lot. But one space, there's two, two things that we very much depart on. That is the first, like fantasy, like Lord of the Rings and I Game of Thrones. I do Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah, but you, like, like you have to really like that kind of stuff to want to watch a show like Game of the, Thrones, I, I think. So that, that's got to say something, though. Lord of the Rings is just an incredible set of movies because I like it, and I'm not into that stuff, like Magic the Gathering and, and your, yeah. your silly nerd games. But, <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Anyone that likes them. But I've, he's forcing it down me my whole life. So I do like Lord of the Rings a lot. I, what's the other one that we differ in? Are you going to say Star Trek? Because yeah, I hate Star, Star, Star Trek. I liked what J.J. Abrams did with it for one movie. Yeah, I don't like what J.J. Abrams did with it. I'm a big Star it was Trek entertaining fan. and something happens. <laughs> and it wasn't so I, as like you can see, world. like even from the background of my screen here, I'm a big Star Wars fan. That's an AT-AT. Like, yeah. Same. 
Not a Star Wars fan, not a Star Trek oh, fan, not a uh, Lord of the Rings like, fan. You, oh, so you don't like any science fiction no, lore? No, you don't like really. any science. fantasy? He likes he likes grounded reality. Yeah, I mean... What's your favorite movie? Huh? What's your favorite What's your movie? movie? <sighs> That's, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you that. I could not tell you that. Give, me a, give us a movie spectrum. Oh, I yeah. could be like, I could be like, I love Indiana Jones. I love I like Back, to the, Fu- Back oh. to the Future. Back to, yep, yep. The Predator. Yep. Uh, Hang on a second. Oh, hold on. Stop. Every single movie you mentioned is basically a science fiction movie. Well, right, right. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like the um, the, like the space stuff. And you gotta stay uh, on Earth. That's yeah, the rule. I like. I like staying here on Earth. Um, the whole like, and, and you can't have British accents. No, and there can't be any swords. Oh, yeah. I don't like movies. I don't like movies before 1980. I just don't like them. I don't like the quality of them. Uh, po- or pre 1980. <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of get on board with that, but they're like the Godfather and like, there's like some seventies movies that are Rocky, really good. You know, like Rocky. Yeah. Rocky. I do like Rocky. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. There, there, there's some seventies stuff. That's pretty good. But if my wife says, Oh, I want to watch this movie. I'm like, what year is it? And she says it's 1970. Anything? No, we're not watching it. I, I, uh, so even taking that a little further, I don't like, the movie, and I'm gonna I get so much shit for this, and it's because it's also my wife's favorite movie of all time. I oh, it, also a lot of people love it. I don't like the Goonies. What? Uh, yeah. I don't like it because See, the, the production value of it is depressing. Like it's just shitly <laughs> done. It looks like a crappy I mean, theme park that someone tried to build and they like didn't do it right. Didn't have enough money. <laughs> like it's not. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, I you broke him. I don't know. That's but that's what bugs me about it. It's what bugs you about other movies. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a common it's okay. ground a little bit on that. Yeah, like you can absolutely. like the movie, maybe the story's incredible. I guess even though it's ridiculous. We I, I, between he, my bro, like Rob and I, we definitely have a lot of like very uh, controversial takes on some things. Like there's certain bands that we both just don't care for at all. That exactly. everyone's like, not how could you not like Pink Floyd? Like I don't yeah, like Pink Floyd. I don't like them. Yeah, see, look, you, maybe you're having a hard time listening to this. A couple songs, I, you know. Oh, no, he's with us. All right. Another one for me is Van Halen. I don't like Van Halen. A couple, uh, no. couple, couple songs. I, I like Van Halen a whole lot. And I've never really been adverse to them, so I'm not trying to say all of a sudden I just love them. Like I, I've, They've had really catchy songs. Remember the Pepsi commercial with the uh, right now, <laughs> you know, the right now song, right? Yeah. I like song. that song. The hits are great, right? And that's yeah. really what I knew. I knew a couple other things and then uh being in bowling for soup i'm just exposed to it fucking nonstop. yeah i mean every, everyone all... everyone in his band is 10 plus years older than him so it's like you're gonna gary's not 10 years older gary, was gary 44 no he's 40 gary me and gary he... have like a gary's 41 yeah oh wow i didn't know that yeah so okay he, he and I, but he's also, he's in the, the, he was like, he loves Guns N' Roses and he like, he loves Van Halen and he's part of the, the, the metal like kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I do, I think Van Halen's great. I think some of their songs are, are I don't, I don't timeless. Like I don't like Pink Floyd. I do, I do not care for Pink Floyd. Uh, I don't like Led Zeppelin. I just, don't I don't, like I don't dislike Led Zeppelin. I, I, like, like, I like the components of Led Zeppelin. John Bonham's one of the greatest drummers of all time. Robert Plant can sing any note in the world and do it really well, right? Like they're, yeah. they're all incredible. Jimmy Page is Jimmy Page, yeah, right? Yeah, great guitar player. And then the, and the other guy, he's good. 
<laughs> the bass so guy. The bass player. No one gives a shit about the bass player. We all know that. He's their Ringo. Yeah. So like, but you know, I, but there's no Led Zeppelin song. I'm like, that's it. That rules. Doesn't do it for me. See, we we grew up. So like me and Rob, our, our, our house was a Beatles house. Okay. And Eric Clapton. The Eagles, Tom Petty. That's how that's my parents it. were. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we were. Well, like, Ted, how old are you? I'm 36. Okay. So we're kind of close. Yeah. And then so, Rob, you're how old? 34. We're all in the same bracket. Yeah. It's like every we're a couple years apart. We're, we're generation X millennial ta- like tail people like yeah. we're at the end of generation x the beginning of millennial yeah we played yeah. outside and didn't have cell phones until we were old enough to know what they I, did. Did, I didn't have a cell phone until i was 23 that was my first cell phone i got one kind of early i got I was, one when i was 17 and it was like a big deal yeah well, I, had, I had a bag phone for the car when i turned 16 when i started driving but that was like you don't turn it on you don't even plug it in unless you need it I had, I had a car phone in the car, my first car, but it was, had, it was hooked up to nothing. So it was, ju- it was merely aesthetic. Yeah. It was oh, just yeah. like... You bought, it was a Stephen's old car, the Taurus. Yeah, my, yeah, I bought my cousin's old car for a dollar and it broke down after like three months <laughs> of owning it. <laughs> but it had a car phone in it that did, did, did nothing. It was just it there. Was cool. It was just cool because you had a car phone in your phone. Yeah, your it was like, phone. I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, I got a car phone. Like, yeah. you know. I had, a, I had a cell phone like in high school, early college that again, it was like you used it if you had to. It's about 20 years old that like the Jack Morris one or texting on it. Yeah. The uh, Vietnam, like the backpack. And, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> the backpack was basically the car phone because the car phone, they had those like Velcro tears. Yep. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you, if you wanted to get to that phone, like you needed muscles to open the thing up. Oh yeah. But I remember I had this, this, I forget what it was, maybe, I don't know who made it, but it was like my first cell phone. And it was like this giant, it was like this big, it was this big black phone. It had this little clip on the back, but it was like this thick. Oh, like the belt, the belt clip. Yeah, it looked like a walkie-talkie. And uh, I had it and and I would like bring it with me, but like I would leave it in the car all the time because I want to walk around with like a four pound weight. (laughs) So like I left in like a little, you know, the thing in your car that like, is for nothing like on the car door on the side like i don't know yeah. what those are for it's like a slot for they're, magazine. they're for maps. trash they're for maps other tra- for trash yeah for atlases they're for maps yep yeah <laughs> so it's useless so i used to keep it in there and i used it so infrequently that i forgot that i had it <laughs> and i lost it and i was looking for my phone and didn't even think to look there and then i had to get a new one and that was when like it became reasonable size like which is funny because then like old cell phones were this size, but now this is... They've gotten bigger again. Yeah. Yes. It, it's weird to think because like when we started touring and playing shows, nobody had phones. We used the so, big map. So when you'd go on tour, you had the big map, you know, and you have, yeah, yeah. it would be a highlighter. It'd be a highlighter right. on the route that you were going to drive. And then the next step up from that was we would map quest and print. No, but when you would highlight the route, so basically you'd have... You'd have the phone number of where, where you were going. Yeah, the you'd club. The route, you'd highlight the route. You'd get off the highway. And then when you got into town, you'd call them from a pay phone. And they'd give you like, they'd give you pass the pizza you know, place. Like, you yeah, know. Pass Bray's <laughs> Pizza. And then like, yeah. make right on an oak. What? <laughs> yeah. And then you start, then we started printing out MapQuest. Directly. I remember that being like, that was the solution to me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, we're in the future now. 
And what I was also going to say is like the kids, like when you would play a show, people were just, there was no, like, like people weren't doing this. Like, yeah, of course not. Right. It's like, it's so weird because like the bands that are now, because like, even though like my band, like, so like I said, like I said, I'm 36 and we're starting don't panic right now. You know, there's lots of people doing the same thing I'm doing her 18 and they don't know anything but that where it's like they go to a show and everyone's watching their show like this. It's like, right. we went to go see Paul McCartney uh, five years ago or so at Madison square garden. And the lady in front of us, uh, me and Rob had our seats next to each other. I got so angry at that lady. <laughs> she had this huge iPad. iPad. Like oh, it's the best. Holding it up and just filming the whole concert on this giant iPad. But like almost like, strategically placing it so that we couldn't blocking see our view. Like hold, we're like, could you move your like you fucking watching this show right now? Like what? Yeah, like I even said, I was like, can you just like hold it down? Maybe like like film it, do whatever you want, but like just hold it down. Like you're putting it in front of my face. I'm behind you. Like just go like this. Well, why she, you she was hammered? She started yelling at me, and I was like, yeah, they got back real quick. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm gonna just continue to watch the show. Because that's why what do. are you buying concert tickets to film the show on your phone? And they'll never, so they're never going to watch it again. They'll never watch it again. No. Because yeah, it's going to sound like shit. Instagram. They're gonna, a clip will go on Instagram. It's a, it's a, it's I a was smart. at the... I, I went and go, I saw Foo Fighters last week. See? Like, new, you know, you're like, actually, think it's a new version of like back in the day, like kids in high school would have like all their concert tickets like pinned on their wall. Oh, right? yeah. In your bedroom. So now it's like you put it on your Instagram, a little clip of it. There's your proof that you win. Yeah. There's your, your cool card, right? It that does, you went and saw it. It does bum me out. Do people get concert tickets anymore? I don't like think you so. get, I was going to say, like, it bums me out when I don't get uh, a physical ticket. Even if I get the the, the Ticketmaster printout, I, I at least keep that still. Yeah, I think, but actually, no, I think Vinny's still, even if you did like a, uh, nah. Yeah, no, because they scan it with. A you thing. can request but, tickets, but, but they, they take longer yeah. to get to you. I mean, it's like, yeah, like okay, I would well. like to inconvenience myself to have a ticket, please. Like, yeah, you know, like, but a lot of people will like <laughs> buy them, and then they have the tickets wait at the box office, and then you go out there. But then you're going to a different yeah. line to get yeah, back to the I, line, so it is more convenient to just. I, it's like boarding a plane. Like, when's the last time you didn't use your phone to right. board? A plane? I want to make sure that I have. I, I want my ticket. And then I don't want to worry about losing the ticket in a purse. You know, if my wife has like in your purse. I, I was super wife. happy. Uh, so uh, me, me and Rob, like we're, we we have a friend who's like a professional wrestler, and uh, she she uh, got me like tickets to I don't one of their uh, I forget the event. It was like, like raw, like on the Monday night. Thing. No, no, it was it was a pay per view. Oh, was it? I but I don't know. I don't remember it. But so I went with our drummer Anthony. And we went down. Anthony's the biggest wrestling fan in the planet. And uh, I think I called him a nerd, didn't I? You did. And the one time we, yeah, we he were wasn't, talking. He wasn't. Was he? Oh, Matt, was he? Uh, you, yeah. He, it's an, he, everything <laughs> Anthony does is an act, like, st- like start to finish. <laughs> Wait till he hears this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so this girl, her name's Alexa, and she's a wrestler for WWF. And she. Alexa Bliss. People know who that is. Don't, yeah. don't be so modest. So, well, so I met her at Rob's show. She's a big fan of Rob's band. And I was on tour with them last summer and she came to the Orlando show and we hung out up backstage and she gave me her number and she's like, you know, let's, you know, anytime I'm in town, like hit me up. So I saw she was coming to Philly and I was like, Hey, like, you know, Anthony's a huge wrestling fan. Like maybe Rob's free. Rob might not be able to come, but so she gave me the, 
like she was like, oh, I'll put you on the, the will call. Just go and just say like, oh, I'm on this person's list. So I went down to the will call. They had actual tickets. And I was like, holy shit. Like, they, you know, they gave us tickets. So I was like, I actually have mine still. Yeah, that's like a cool thing to have. Yeah, that, that's right. like, so I was, I kind of missed that. Or it's like, oh, this is really awesome. A memento that you just get to keep. And now it's like, you don't get that. You just get a barcode. And you're just like, so, what, so uh, Jared, because the... Basically, what he's talking about is uh, it's this wrestler named Alexa Bliss. She's like this little blonde wrestler, and um, she was like a big Bowling for Soup fan growing up. And then her and Jared, our singer, got connected a few years ago by means of just like I don't know, knowing mutual people or or however it worked out. And um, she uh, she invited him to come out to I don't know if it was like WrestleMania, like one of the big events that she was wrestling in, and he went and. Because uh, he brought Jack, his his son, and he got like this chair. Like it wasn't just like a ticket. Like the, like the yes. seat that you sit in. Like they give you the goddamn chair. Like it's a like, but it's printed with like all the wrestlers on it and shit. We got them too. You got the but, chairs? No, no, no. So here's what happened. So she, the ticket she gave me and Anthony were front row behind the announcer. Yeah, behind and the table. I've, I've been the watched. The last time I watched wrestling was like. Stone Cold was a brand new wrestler. It was like 1998. You know what I mean? Those were the days. Those were the days. (laughs) I agree. Those were fun to watch. Those were really silly. But anyway, so like I don't know any of the new wrestlers. So I went with Anthony and my cousin, Vince, and we sat, we got to the front row. We're like, what the fuck? Like, I cannot believe we're in like the, we're like the announcers were like, I could grab the guy, you know, like he's right in front of me. And on on the thing, it said at the end of the show, you can take your chair with you. So the chair you sat, and it said like the event on the back of the chair. Yeah, it was like printed, like custom for the event, yeah. like all the wrestlers on it and stuff. But the rule was you had to stay until the end of the event. And her match was like somewhere in the middle. And when she was done, she texted me and she's like, do you guys want to go get meet me up, me and my other wrestler friend for dinner? And we're like, yeah, that sounds way cooler than watching an event. <laughs> I came to watch you. You're done. I don't, I don't know who these people are. So it's like, so we forfeited our chair. So like we gave our seat to whoever, like some guy. We're like, yeah, go ahead. Keep our chairs or whatever. We need to so keep we, those seats filled. Yeah, we forfeited our the chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, at the uh, Tony's. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. yeah. Wrestling was fun back like early 2000s, late 90s oh, yeah. for me. Uh, we used to watch it. Me, we, me would watch it all. Me and Rob would yeah. every third was it when Monday or Thursday? It was both. But, and we, I remember watching it as a really little kid, and then we kind of gave up on it, and then watched it again yeah. on like that late '90s revival. Yes, yes. same yeah. with me. We'd yeah. have like so, so watch, parties. There was like ten of us still get together, and we pitch yeah. five dollars or whatever. We'd always hang out at like Ian's or, or Chris Daughters or like yeah. It would be like yeah. WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, like all like the cool ones, you know. And I just went to like that, a, a WrestleMania like seven years ago. Was it The Rock was wrestling again? Yeah, see, again. So like, again, yeah. I, so he had stopped wrestling and then yes. started wrestling again. Yes. Like, yeah, for like, like yeah, a one-off. Uh, yeah, days. he was like the like the new. Yeah, he was like the new guy when we were yeah. watching. He was actually. Yeah. The, I remember the new guy being Stone Cold, and then The Rock yeah. being like the 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 sort of like answer guy yeah yeah. the rock had hair yeah when hulk hogan was on like a different wrestling network or whatever wcw 
Yeah. That always we confused used to watch, me. So we had those big, remember those big wrestlers that were just, yeah, they're the rubber. rubber. We had a bunch of them. We had like a whole token and like wire. ultimate warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had the ones where they were like, their hands would flick the plastic ones and they would throw like they would throw you yes. put the guy in, like yeah you like pr- you like press like a red oh man ted so you're the older brother here yes did you ever feel an ounce of jealousy towards rob oh yeah for sure yeah. I, I, so I was, uh, I was the best man at his wedding, which was uh, last year, and that was part of my best man speech. It was just like, I, I like, I started, you know, we started playing in a band together. Like, even though he's two years younger than me, we started like exactly at the same time. When we started our band, neither of us knew how to play an instrument. <laughs> like the way we, the way we started the band was like, it was me. Our best friend Ian and Rob. Which is funny. There's uh, an addendum there. Ian is now uh, our guitar tech in Bowling for Suit. Yeah. So the three of us were and in our basement, and we were like, "We want to start a band." And everyone's like, "All right, who wants to be the drummer?" And then we would like, we went around the room, or like, "All right, Rob's going to be the drummer." And then like, what happened was that everyone bought their stuff and then learned that thing. Like, it, it wasn't like we're committed. Like then you had yeah. to play that instrument. So we started in the same spot and um, what wound up happening was the band that me and Rob started broke up because Rob had to go to college and I joined that band Split 50. And then I was the one doing a ton of shit. I was on Warp Tour every summer. You know, we were signed to a label. We were putting out albums and Rob was going to school and he was like, had his own band, but you know, couldn't be as busy. So I'm sure that's how he felt about me being able to do all this stuff. I was like, he probably had the same yeah. feeling now that I have about him. Right. Yes. I'll admit it. Yeah. Then definitely. I was like, this is what I should still be doing. Because like you said, we sort of started on the even playing ground. So it was like, yeah. I'm supposed to be doing that same thing right now. And I'm like, kind of not. So then Rob joined patent pending. And then we went back on the even playing ground <laughs> and then split 50 broke up and I started my own band. So I kind of started from scratch but Rob kept riding patent pending and then he joined the Ataris and then he joined Bowling for Soup. So he just, he's been on this like upward incline of like joining bigger and bigger bands. So I was like, yeah, you know, I, I went on tour last summer with them and his band was co-headlining real big fish and it was a U.S. tour. And man, I, I went on the tour and I, I called up the singer Jarrett and I was like, is it cool if I come on this tour? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. So I was like, well, 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 I want to do something. I want to help. And he's like, no. He's like, your job is to come and drink our beer. Just be getting in the way if you like trying to help. So I was like, okay. So like every day, all I did was just drink and watch my brother perform for 2,000 people every night. So I was just like, yeah, I'm starting to get a little jealous of this. Like I want to go on tour and do this right. stuff. Which was like the big motivator for me to start Don't Panic in, in, in last August. I got home from that tour. And it was like, I was like a, not just jealousy fueled, but like no. a, a, like a hunger, like a desire. Like I got, I saw my brother doing it, even though he's been doing it for the past couple of years before that, I actually got to physically see it. Cause I didn't really ever go to any of the shows or anything. Not because I didn't want to, I just never did. Right. And, uh, we're never really close. Yeah. So somewhere else. 
So yeah, that, that's a, that was like the driving force when I got home. I was like, I got to start playing in a band again because. Yeah. Know, well, it's, 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 it's for you too. It's, it's, you're not like, you know, an accountant that's sitting in an office building. You're still, you're still involved with like booking bands and, 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 and scheduling tours and things like that. So you're still involved uh, in a way. That makes it even worse. Oh, because, it worse. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, anytime a band that I would work for, cause like from 2011 or 2012, I'd say until 2019, I didn't play at all. Like no shows, I didn't write any music. I didn't record any music. I barely picked up my guitar. And I just completely was focused on my business, booking tours, like building a, you know, building a life for myself as far as like making money. But anytime any of the bands that I worked for would come play reasonably close, I'd go. Cause you know, it's like, you know, you want to be interactive with your clients and stuff. You know, I'd go to the show, I'd hang out, but then I would just get to see them play a show and I'd be like, Oh, kind of wish I was doing this. So it's like, I get to book all these awesome tours and then I don't get to go on them. I just get right. to like, be like, have fun. Like, you know, like, but I put the Ataris on tour with newfound glory and it's like, have a good time guys. Like I'll be here. Send them off to of college. This. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, double edged sword. Still, you're still like, it's, it's still, you're involved in it somehow. Like you're still like, you know, yeah, no, I'm very grateful that I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not an accountant or something. Right. Like that. That's what I'm saying. Like it, and also go ahead. You're saying it's, it's well, my father-in-law is, is a, uh, is a CPA. <laughs> so we keep All right. Well, it's not like, it's not yeah. like you're, um, it's not like I'm in the Navy. Yeah. You know, you're not, a janitor. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with being a janitor. It's not like you're working in know. an office building. Yeah. Oh, just keep it's it, me. Keep it. That's me. I do that. Just, but just it's, not like, it's not like I'm selling advertising oh, for some on the radio. Some, yeah, some, oh, it's kind of yeah. funny is that that's what our dad did. Our, our dad was uh, sold advertising on the radio when we moved to Pennsylvania. He worked for froggy one Oh one. No kidding. Radio. No yeah. kidding. That was his job. That's funny. What a small world too. Mm. But it's also going to be cool too. Like you're the older brother. So it's it's kind of, almost kind of different because like if you were the younger brother and your your big brother was successful like you'd always kind of like be trying to live in his shoes or get to his level but like yeah it's like a you know, being the kind of thing being the older brother you're kind of like oh that's my that's my little brother I'm proud of him you know yeah no I'm very proud of Rob he's doing oh, a great yeah. job yeah he's a talented guy he can Just imagine how uh, Scott Shiflet feels he's the older brother as well. Yeah, so like, yeah, so like my in the Foo Fighters. Yeah, so like our one of our favorite bands is band face to face. face to face, and this Scott Shiflet is the bass player. He's the reason why I want to quit playing bass because he's the greatest yeah. bass player in the Unbelievable world. And, and every time I watch him, it does the opposite. I think it would encourage me to do better, and it discourages me to be like, I'll never be able to do that because yeah. he's incredible. And his younger brother is Chris Shiflet, who's the guitar player from the Foo Fighters. Okay, so I, I I'm sure he goes like. All right, my band face to face is going to go on tour. We're going to go play these for five hundred people every night, and then like, and your brother's going to go play Hold for my 50, fifty thousand people tomorrow yeah. night. Like, yeah, quite the disparity. But I'm sure there's no competition there. I'm sure they're, they're all they're a very musical family. Yeah, I, I, and same with it. Like, I, I don't I don't feel competition with my brother either. I'm like, I get excited. Like, he's going on tour with Lit in May in England. Oh, man, it's like awesome. That's like one of my favorite bands. Actually, mine too. 
And it's one of the it's one of the first like club shows I ever saw. We saw lit in like 1999 or something. Uh, it was it was lit. It was lit and uh, 22 jacks. Yes, at a Tinks. Yeah, it was the Tinks. Remember that that being like one of the first like like 1999. It was one of the first like bigger club shows I ever saw. Like because we yeah. saw like Eric Clapton before that and stuff. So yeah. We saw like stadium shit, like the you know the real. Then we'd see like local bands and stuff, but like seeing the first like real kind of club thing was lit and I, re- I always loved that album since it came out the place in the a place in the sun and uh got to know those guys over the years so i did like played a festival with them pat and penny did a couple tour dates with them and like just you know kind of not really kept in touch but we'd see each other and be like hey like acquaintances which was really cool for me already and then um then we had this tour coming up that like Jer- like they've been talking about it for years apparently like doing a bowling for soup and lit thing in the uk and uh See, I'm jealous of that. Yeah. It's about being jealous. Like, that's so, so the things that make me jealous are the thing, it's not of my brother, it's the stuff he's getting to do. Right. Specifically, like, one night at, like, four in the morning, he's, like, frantically texting me. You'll never believe who I'm hanging out with at this bar. And he's in Australia, because Rob, he was playing on, uh, what was the festival? Downway Festival. Downway Festival in Australia with Pat Pending. And he starts texting me in the middle of the night. You'll never believe who I'm hanging out with this at this bar. I, I actually have to pee right now. Me too. So, oh man. Don't, you can't leave me by myself. <laughs> can, so, can, Rob, can you tell the story? So let me go pee. And then I'll, you can go I have pee to try to remember it. You, you know who, who the hell you're talking about. So, yeah, so this was, this was what Rob was texting me about. I'll be right back. All right. So, all right. It was, uh, you know, sound festival and, the way that festival works, it's, it's like a very social kind of festival. Like you play the shows, but then afterwards you're sort of encouraged to like go out in the city and do shit and like go to this bar because this is where people know that the bands go to. And some bands are into that, some aren't, but like whatever, like it's, it's just a fun environment. And like, basically if you're playing in Sydney, you're going to bump into people. It's a big city, but there's a, it's a big festival. So a lot of, a lot of things happening and stuff. So we end up at this like tiny little dive bar in Sydney and, uh, it's a basement bar. It's a pizza place bar. Like that's like, it's not even, you know what I mean? That's how like dive it is in a good way. And, um, I'm there with Anthony, who's Pat and Penning's drummer and Mark, who's the guitar player. And we're just kind of, we've been drinking all day. Cause this, this was an off day actually. So it was like, we were in pretty rough shape and it's really late at night. And, and, uh, I'm kind of talking to Anthony. I'm like, like his back is facing the door, like the steps that come down and I'm facing the steps this guy comes down and I say to Anthony, I was like, look at this Dave Grohl looking motherfucker. I thought I like a dude that looks like Dave Grohl, like a plaid shirt with a beard and stuff. And then behind him, I'm like, look at this fucking Pat Smear looking. Mother-. And then <laughs> clicked. I'm like, that's Dave Grohl. That's I'm like, this is the Foo Fighters walking into this bar right now. That was pretty packed. And like, they kind not, not, they didn't really get mobbed, but kind of like people started like really gathering right. and stuff. And I was like, all right, like step one, I'm in a bar with Dave Grohl. That's cool enough. Like that, wow. I've already got some rock and roll credit by being in a bar with Dave Grohl, like in a big bar or a small bar, I should say. So uh, then it kind of progresses a little bit. And uh, Mark had actually, he was working for uh, that band, you know, that band Zebrahead. He was, um, so they're, they're like, they're kind of like that. They're like a rap rock punk kind of thing. Zebrahead. But anyway, so Mark was their tour manager. So, they'd done festivals where, where he's actually met Dave Grohl before and years before this. 
And he was like, oh, I had a really good conversation with this one festival where this like stage collapsed or something. So he's like, I wonder if he remembers me. This like, not going to happen, but like, Dave, it's Mark. We know this day. They, they both were friends with Motorhead's manager. Right. So he was like, Oh, we both know. I forget the guy's name. But he's like, we both know so-and-so. And Dave's like, Dave Grohl, Dave, like, I know Mr. Grohl. <laughs> so Mark, he actually says, Oh shit. That's right. You and I talked at that festival in Poland and he pointed it out years later was like, Oh, that's right. That's where we talked. And you know, we're in a bar environment drinking and stuff. So I was like, well, that's cool. Yeah. And I'm standing with him. So he's, I didn't want to say, hey, I'm just some guy, dude. Nice to meet you. So they're done talking for their few seconds. And I just put up my hand and he just high five. He's like, all right, man, like got a high five. So like step two, I got a high five. from <laughs> the <table. laughs> That was cool. So then time goes by, like, you know, maybe another half hour or so. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go grab us another round. And I go up to the bar and it's crowded. And, and I'm like, he's in here somewhere, but I'm not going to be that guy that's trying to just flag him down and look, can you sign this or this? Because I don't really like to do that. Right. Um, like get autographs and shit. It's cool to have them. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't reject them if I get them, but I don't like to ask for them. So then I feel silly. I don't know. So, right. and I get to the bar and uh, I feel this like tap on my shoulder, like a pretty hard tap. And I had like, it was Australia in the, their summertime. So it was wintertime here. So I was wearing like a, like a tank top, like a sleeveless shirt. And I had like no sleeves on it, like a, whatever, like a t-shirt. And uh, like all the tattoos I have, they're like from, it's just, I think like the Roman art and architecture is cool. So I got a tattoo on me. Anyway, so I get this tap and it's this short little guy in a bright yellow shirt, the bald guy. He's like, Hey man, I like the tats. And I was like, Oh cool. Thank you. He's like, yeah, I really, it's like, I like the Roman stuff too. I think it's really neat. And we start talking about it. Like, and, I, and I'm, he's one I, I figured he's like bar security or something, but I've been drinking all day. And I realized I'm like, I was like, you, you have an American accent. I was like, what are you doing here? Like, do you, what, did you like move here? He's like, no, he's like, I'm with him. And the other side of him is Dave Grohl, like leaning over the bar, talking to people, like being loud and whatever. I was like, oh shit, that's cool. He's like, you want to meet him? I'm like, no, it's fine. He goes, no, no. He's like, he's like, you just seem like a fun guy. Hey, Dave, this is my buddy Rob. And Dave Grohl turns around. And he's like, hey man. And I was like, hi. Like, and he's really like, you imagine these people are massive for some reason. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you always yeah. think like a huge famous rock star is going to be this giant person. And I'm sure he's like, you know, it's a little taller than me. And he's like talking really close into my face and he keeps like playing with his hair and stuff. Right. Close and talker. Like, hey, man. And, and he, yeah, he's a close talker. And he's just like really excited to just be talking, which I thought was bizarre. Cause I'm like, this is all like, you can talk to whoever you want, whenever you want. Like you, you don't need options. Like you don't need to think like, is this person want to talk to me? Like everyone wants to talk to you. You're Dave Grohl. Yeah. So anyway, it's a really, fr- it's a really friendly conversation. It's kind of bullshitting and stuff. And like 10 feet down the bar, I see Mark and Anthony waiting for me, but they're like looking at me like, Rob's talking to Dave Grohl. So they like start. <laughs> and like, they kind of get in the thing, but he's like, he was like, what are you doing? He was like, you're American. And I had this like bright pink hair at the time. And he was like, I was like, we're playing this sound festival. He's like, Oh, it's awesome. He's like, they were doing their own tour there. Just, they weren't even playing the festival. It was just a coincidence that they were there. So he was like, oh man, he's like, that festival was bought out by another festival. It used to be called Big Day Out. He's like, and I played there. He's like, I used to be in this band called Nirvana. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I know who you are. I learned it. Are you fucking kidding me? And he kind of laughed. He's like, ah. So I was like, all right. And then Mark's there. He's like, oh, you from the floor. And I was like, this is Anthony, our drummer. He's like, a fucking drummer. And they start talking. So the four of us are like having this great conversation. That's like, we're like a few minutes into it. And there's people coming up, like tapping him, like to get pictures. And he's being great. He's like, he's like, yeah, 
turning around, like taking the selfie with a big Dave Grohl grin and yep. like getting back to our conversation and like turning around, signing something. So like me and Anthony and Mark had this like silent conversation in our head. We're like, don't ask him for a picture or autograph. Just enjoy, <laughs> just enjoy the moment. We sort of kept talking and, and then Mark's like, Hey, this is probably 15 minutes in Mark's like, Dave, can I get us, let me get us a round of shots. Like, we're, what do you like? You like Jack? He's like, of course I like Jack. Let's do it. And then Dave Grohl said something. I can remember this, like every moment of this, because this is like the coolest I'm thing. Sure, yeah. And he said, only something that Dave Grohl can get away with saying. <laughs> and he was like, you know, Mark? no, fuck that. I'm the rock star. I'm buying the shots. Anything you guys don't like? And Mark and I are like, no tequila. No tequila. He's like, All right. Five tequilas. Six shots of tequila. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did shots of tequila. And then we did more Perfect. shots. Of, and we just kept drinking. And the next day I had the worst hangover ever that I've yeah. ever had in my life. But I was like, Worth sort it. of embracing it. Yeah. So it's funny like, because tequila is actually one of the things I do like to do. Like tequila is like one of the few shots I do like. Not if you were drinking wine all day, then beer, then mixed drinks. Then you start taking shots of tequila. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work so well. Yeah, I had a bad night with tequila once in college. And it took me about 10 years to kind of come back, come back to it. Yeah. Man, our, our cousin one time played beer pong with tequila. I know the story, so I'm going to be. And we had to carry him. Oh, that yeah, sounds we, terrible. We, we went... It was like, actually, when me and my brother were playing in our band together, and we went and escaped to our cousin's college for the weekend, and his two brothers came, so it was like the five of us were really close, and we went to a college party, and they were playing beer pong, but they ran out of beer, so he was just like, let's just do tequila. Man, I'd never seen anyone that drunk in my life. We had to, like Rob said, we had to carry him out like he was like a mummy. <laughs> and and we, we showed up to the party in like a, like a hatchback like truck, it had like, you know, like the like the back on it already and we had to like slide him in like luggage that's he funny like dead. he was like a dead dead man that's really funny oh man i i only had one encounter um of a famous person i guess you could say and that was uh the uh, lead singer of blue october <laughs> justin first and so uh the, he's the, the rob's band they have the same manager blue october. really yeah Justin's so I met him a few times. I, I got the pleasure of like you know doing meet and greets for the station and all that kind of stuff. And like was it May, May of 2018. Yeah, because my son was like just he's probably six months old or whatever at the time. He was at the, the back room of the station, and my, my my wife came and brought the kids. So that was like the first like concert he saw. It was an acoustics thing, and we were out in the lobby, so it wasn't loud. But before that, he was back in the green room my wife and I are big fans and like, he was cool with like, yeah, come back. Yeah. And he loves kids too. He's like, yeah, come back. He's like, Oh, oh who's this? And oh, this is Lincoln, our son, blah, blah. Six months later, they did a show with us again at the woodlands. We were without our, our child that we had a babysitter. And uh, first thing he said to us, he's like, guys, how's it going? How's the kid doing? Like, he just like, he remembered us. Yeah. He remembered us, like, you know, having like, our son. All, it was like, wow, that's really cool. And then, I think six months after that, I got to introduce them uh, at the FM Kirby Center. Cool. And I found that out like maybe four hours before the show. Um, I was so I was shooting my pants the entire time beforehand, and like he <laughs> he knew he could tell that I was nervous. Um, and I'll never forget they were doing like he was doing push-ups in the back, getting ready for the show, and he could tell I was nervous. And he just he walked up to me, gave me a hug, and said, "You're going to be great." I was like, holy shit, like this guy just gave me a hug. 
that's how we started this podcast before we went live. I gave you a hug and told you how great you're going to be. Ah, there we go. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Which guy are we talking about? I missed all of it. I was talking about uh, Justin Fersenfeld from uh, Blue October. That was... Era Blue October. For, what information do you give Popco about them right now, Rob? What are you going to tell him about them? Should I? <laughs> no, I mean, I, like, what do you mean? Like, what... what I just told you we have the same manager. Oh, so you said that already. I was going to say, anytime I hear Blue October now, because it's like, anytime we're talking with our management or anything, I feel like, I feel like they're, they're the bigger brothers. They're always like, you should do what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a special uh, human being. And I was, I was hoping to interview him um, before the station kind of uh, changed format. Um, especially when I was doing Sober October, because I know he's, you know, he's sober and all that kind of stuff. I didn't want to exploit his sobriety to an an attempt to get an interview, but I was doing some stuff for the station and I wanted to, cause he's, he's one of my favorite, they're they're a favorite band of mine and my wife. And I was telling Ted, um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. Like my son, he was one of the first people my son ever met. And my son was like six months old. And um, so yeah, me, I use it loosely, but then like six months later, uh, we saw the band again. They did a show for us, but my, it was at night. So we had a babysitter. And the first thing he asked me was like, Hey guys, how you guys doing? Like, how's your kid doing? Blah, blah, blah. It was cool. They remembered us. And then six months after that, we saw him again. He was doing a show at the Kirby center. And, um, I found out that I was, I was going to announce them on stage. And, um, he could tell I was nervous. I was, cause I was shitting my pants the entire afternoon. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I mumble the way it is like, what the hell am I going to say? Like, so I, I always think like, ahead of myself. So I, I tend to mumble my words and, and get ahead of myself. It's a solid quality for a radio DJ. Oh, perfect. It's the best <laughs> quality. <laughs> That's why they got rid of me. No, but, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so he, I think he could tell I was nervous and he came up to me and gave me a, a hug and said, you're going to be great. And it was just, it was just neat. It was a, it was a moment that, that, I had. that, that like helps, right? Like, cause you're like, Oh cool. Like he, he, I don't think it helped. I don't think it helped at all. I think it (laughs) it was just a cool moment for me to have. Like, I mean, like the guy came up to me, like he noticed I was nervous. He he gave me a hug and not everyone could say that. So on a different level, um, I can relate to your story with Dave Grohl, like, you know, like running into him and just being cool. It's it's just, they always say, you know, don't meet your idols and stuff. And and I actually, I'm going to say that's bullshit because I, you know, one of my, I admit it, one of my favorite bands is, is Blink-182. I'm a sucker for that band. I love, I love them. Great band. They're just, there's just something about them. They're actually a big reason I do what I do. Just because for me, it was like, they were the band that was like, aside from Travis Barker, they were the band where was like, anyone can do it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to sound like a dick, but I'm, I'm sure they say the same thing. Like, they, they just kind of showed that, they showed that like, you don't have to be some shredder to like to really do it and have fun and to enjoy it and, and right. make it a fun thing. And that always really resonated with me. And that's why I sort of went the route I did with music. But a long time ago, the first one I met from the band was, was uh, Travis, the drummer. And it was on the Warped Tour. He was playing with that band, The Transplants, with uh, dude, uh, Tim Armstrong from Rancid. And like my brother was there actually when I met him. Because yeah. he like came into that after party. And I was like, oh my God, he's here. I was like, do I go bother him? And you're like, just go say hi. Like, I remember you and someone were like, just say hi. What's he going to do? Punch you in the face? Like, just say hi to the guy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's the people. I went and said hi to him. And I was like, I don't know what to say. All I said was like, Some, something stupid. I'm like, I think you're an incredible drummer. But like, I try to make it sound eloquent. And he was like, 
And I was like walking away as soon as I said it. And he was like, no, he's like, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And it was like being very friendly and welcoming. And I was like, well, this guy's really nice. And the next day, uh, the drummer in my brother's band, Mike, who's, who's uh, everyone that's a drummer at our age is going to be a fan of Travis Parker's at some level. Oh, yeah. You think he's really great or overrated, but I think he's incredible. That's just me. But regardless, he's some sort of influence on our generation of, of drummers, right? So, uh, I asked him that the night was wrapping up. I'm like, Hey, is it cool if you like come watch you on stage tomorrow? He's like, yeah. He's like, come by the tent like this much before and I'll make sure it's cool. And I went by his tent earlier in the day and this guy was like, he had a detail, right? Like a security guy. (laughs) Travis Barker literally stuck his head. I goes, no, he's cool. This is wow. Like he said that. And I was like, that was very nice. And I was very thoughtful. And like, he like, you know, gives a shit. Right. Right. Brought me in his little tent. He was warming up handed me a pair of sticks and he was like, do this with me. That's the coolest thing when you're 20 years old, right? I was doing 19 or whatever I was. So then watched him on stage a couple days on that run. And now after that, I was like, great. I met someone from Blink and that was awesome, right? Then a few years later, I met Tom. Same kind of scenario. I remember he's walking by with this kid on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. He's Angels uh, and Airwaves. That, um, yeah, he's playing other band. I love that band. Again. And I was like, it's fun. Like, I actually had met him when I was at Penn State too, but that was like kind of a, another, that was like a different thing. It was like maybe a couple years before that. But this is when I actually like kind of got to, remember he invited me on his bus mm-hmm. and like, he just told me a stranger, some kid he never met. He's like, yeah, come on my bus, grab a drink with me and talk. We just like talked about guitars and like why we, we both bought the same amp for the same reason. Cause heavy from no effects had it. Like, we talked about all these like cool things and he was just really nice. And I'd see him around. He'd like bring me on stage to watch them and things. So then like I'm saying, like they say, never meet your idols. But like so far I was like, these guys are great. And I was like, well, that's it. I, I I'm never going to meet Mark. That's because he's the, he's the missing, the third missing piece in blink. I'll never meet him. Flash forward to last year. We did that, uh, warp tour festival. Cause the tour is over. So they did right. this like 25th right. anniversary festivals. And we, we played the Atlantic city. Oh um, shit. So I was at, actually, I was in AC that weekend for the, not for the show. No, you <laughs> didn't even say hi. Didn't you didn't invite me. I wasn't on the, the guest list. So sorry. And I didn't even put you on the guest list. What a nope. dick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was like, cool. Blink-182 is playing. I was like, oh, it's going to be cool to watch them. I hadn't seen them. And we saw them 20 years ago. So I was like, it'd be cool to see them again. And uh, we're literally about to play. And like, that's where I had like friends come out. So I was like the closest show we did on that tour to home. So like Tommy Byer was out, Jackie was out, her parents were out, like Billy was yeah. all these people I'm like entertaining. And it was great. We're literally on the stage about to play. And I do what I always do. I got to go pee first. Like I was <laughs> right before playing. So I have like my monitors in, I'm holding my base. I run to this like little porta potty thing behind the stage, like this little setup there. And, uh, I come out of the bathroom, like zipping up my fly. It was like my face to the side and my monitor sticking my ear. And like Mark Hoppus is literally standing right there, just staring in my direction. And I was like, first of all, like, what is he doing? Like, this isn't even the same stage they're playing. Not even close to the same time they're playing. So I, just, I was like, hey, Mark, like it just stuck out my hand. Like, after, <laughs> have you done peeing? <laughs> yeah. You're on your deck. Hey, Mark, what's going on? The first thing I said, I went, hey, Mark, I washed my hands. <laughs> and he like, he shook my, shook my hand. And I was like, um, my name's Rob, I'm playing Bowling for Sue. We're about to go play right now. And I think he like, because they met before as bands. Sure, yeah. They've done shows together. So I think he sort of just drew like a false equivalence. He's like, oh, yeah, good to see you. And I was like, well, yeah. nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> t- 
talk to them for like, I started like getting into a conversation and then, and I'm like, Oh, I have to like go play right now. I was like, maybe I'll come watch you guys later. Is that cool? Like my fiance is here. He's like, is, can we come up and watch you? If you guys have people like on stage, he's like, yeah, that's no problem. He's like, come over to the stage. He's like, I'll, I'll be over there. He's like, I'll make sure it's cool. He's like, come on up. I was like, that's really nice. Thank you. I appreciate wow. it. I'll see you there. I'm going to go do my job now. <laughs> so like we play the show, finish up and then they go play. I went over there and I actually saw Matt Gray over there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of like hanging like in the same area. So there was this like live nation security, like people, they're not like band detail or they're not like, they don't work for the, for the warp tour. There was venue security basically. And I was like, ah, I'm supposed to, like I started saying like, I'm going to supposed to be able to go back there. I was like, this guy doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to say, fuck it. And just watch the band from the crowd. Right. And, uh, as I'm saying that, the guy's like, yeah, get out of here. I was like, all right, fine. Turn around, like, tail between the legs, and the sprinter van pulls up, and the door opens, and it's Mark, like, with his wife on. And he's like, hey, he literally went, hey, Rob, what are you doing? I was like, ah, oh, we were going to come watch you, but the guy said, it's it's whatever. He goes, he literally said this. He goes, it's my stage. You're coming with. And there was a bunch of people standing behind me that I didn't know. And he goes, are these guys with you? I'm like, no. He goes, hey, they're all good. This is Bowling for Soup. This is, everyone here is Bowling for Soup. We're going. Follow me. And we all walked off the stage behind him, stood up there he handed someone the stormtrooper helmet that was sitting on his guitar thing. And we just talked for a minute before they went on and they played the show and was just standing right there, right next to him. And I was like, this is cool. They, they say no meet your idols, but every one of those guys in that band were incredibly welcoming, practiced incredibly good etiquette <laughs> and, and were just really polite. Yeah. And cool. That's and, great. And you could tell like, they're just, you know, they just love being musicians. Like they just love to be able to play music and do it for people and have people around it. Like it was a really neat experience. I think a lot, I think a lot of us like that. Very hopeful we can get back to doing it at some point. <laughs> yeah, Ted, uh, how do you think things could be different for you if you were the drummer of that initial band? Would, would you have been where Rob is today? The band would have been a lot worse. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I, I just, you know, that would have learned like, the same thing like, at the same time. No, no, because you start at the same time. You're like, everyone's like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And you're going to do that. Like, uh, I'm not, not as friendly. I'm, I'm, I'm much more introverted than he is. So I, I keep to myself a lot more. Yeah. People who don't, who don't spend a, enough time around me definitely probably think I'm a dick. I'm not. I'm, I'm really nice. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I you used to be much more reserved and quiet. Actually, you've, you've sort of uh, become more robust over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, I've tried. I'm like that. I like, you know, if I go to a bar, like I'll just sit there. I won't say a goddamn word to anybody. I'll just sit there and drink my beer and eat my French fries and I'll be totally happy. Yeah. And like, you know, he, he's more like, I don't know this guy. Like, how you doing? Where, you know, what city are you from? Like, I'm just, I've never been like that. Yeah. And I'm also a terrible drummer. So I don't, I don't know if I would have gotten good. No, it just, it would have been funny. Like you guys are saying the same thing. Like you start at the same level you guys had so, no idea how to play instruments. You're just like, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Well, so the big, the big thing was that I, no matter what instrument I was playing, even I may be drumming, but no matter what instrument I was going to be the singing, I was going to be the singer because like I was coming into it. That's the one thing I did do. I, 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 I was a touring like a uh, chor choral singer, like uh, a <laughs> sing like, not like uh not like choral, like under the sea. Like uh, when I was like 10 to like 13 years old, I was in like a, like a sing, like a touring choir. Right? Like one of them. There's like 14 kids. And we went on tour, like went to tour in Japan and stuff like for a month. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. And like did like, you know, so I did a lot of like vocal training. Like I'm like somewhat like trained vocalist. So like I knew yourself up. Well, no, what I'm saying is that like when we started playing music, that was the one thing I knew for sure. Like I could definitely sing. So like I'll at least sing. We right. just don't know what the rest of the stuff behind that will be. Right. Well, and Ian so, never really even had any interest in, in playing an instrument. Yeah. He just wanted to like, it was just was, our social activity. To he do. was not, yeah, our bass player was non-musical. When we started the band, we would have to teach him beat. We would stand there and clap. And then he'd go bump, bump, bump. And we'd like teach him the concept of like a beat. He Actually, didn't understand it. How quickly you put that together because like, uh, he's the kind of mind where he can like, he, he builds cars for fun. Like that's not a joke. Like that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. He does stuff like that. He's one of those kind of guys. Like he can, he can sort of figure anything out anyway. So like he figured out how to, he didn't have any, like there was no, no like uh, anything inside of him. that was like, Oh, I should play music. Like he just figured out how to do it. Yeah. It was, it wasn't like an art thing. It was like, it was like the other brain. Yeah, like, cool. I, I don't know what's like left and right, but like, so it's like, it wasn't like I have to be an artist. He's like, he did like the technical, like I'll just do the technical bits to like make it sound like I know music. Like, like he learned how to do it as, as like a, as like a practice. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like, like how, how to build an engine. Yeah. But Very cool. It's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long road. And I feel like it's like, we're still at the start of it, which is great. Yeah. I think you are too. And I, I wish uh, you the best and, um, I guess we could probably wrap things up here. I don't want to keep you guys too long. Was, no, it was a good segue. The best is always a good way. Like, all right, we're, yeah. we're it. Stop talking. I, haven't, I have dinner waiting upstairs, so I'm not going to complain, you know? No, no, no. I, I'm not going to hold the pee too, but couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I can't either. thank either one of you enough for, for doing this for the, the first episode of this, the, uh, the Popco yes. project. Um, thank you so much. And first of all, uh, I want to give you two suggestions. Number one, uh, I think, remember how you were doing the shows at, uh, like, like you're doing, like, you want to do like live shows that corresponded with your radio show? Yeah. You should do that for this. Like when you can start doing it. Like, yeah. When, well, I when mean, there's I, shows, you should do like Popco Project live performance shows. I think that'd be really yeah. cool. The Popco Project presents. Well, that's a lot of yeah. P's. We'll, yeah, we'll tri- work on triple, that. Triple P. Triple P. And, we'll work uh, on that. But yeah, that's, I mean, I would love to keep doing that. I don't, I actually don't know what the other suggestion was going to be, but, uh, I would just say like, first of all, you did a great job and uh, I'm excited to see the rest of the bands and everyone you bring on. And, uh, if you're watching this and you're in a band be on this show, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, now you can finish your wrap up. Go ahead. No, I mean, just thank you. That's all I could say is thank you. Um, that's great. I had a lot Have of a fun time. with you guys tonight and, uh, I appreciate you more than you know. And if you uh, have not heard, don't panic yet. Make sure you check them out on all the streaming services. They have a new album out right now called See Through It All. Um, and Ted's brother is in Bowling for Soup, who will have a new album out next year. Uh, I don't know when the last time Bowling for Soup had new music. And forgive me, because I, I don't know that answer. So last year we put out one song. <laughs> okay, that doesn't count. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like a flick. Like, all right. It's like probably Actually, five or six years ago. We put out a bunch of covers. We, we recorded a bunch of covers. And he made a new album. He made a new album. What was yeah. the last time you guys put the a new album? album was like four years ago. Right. So. Okay, that's not, that's, that's, 
not as long as I thought it was going to be. But That's long, though. Regardless. Because, you know, it's supposed to be more. Anyway, the new album comes out next year at some point. Yeah. Let's say the spring. So very cool. Let's That's awesome. It. No, I'm looking forward to that. Um, again, thank you guys so much for doing this for me. Thank, thank you, uh, man. And being a part of it. Okay, we'll do and this. you. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Uh, like I said, that t-shirt, uh, the shirts for the scene is live now. Uh, once this posts, um, you can go to the website, thepopcoproject.com. There's a link there, or you can go to the Popco Project Facebook page. Uh, it's linked up there and you can buy a shirt of your favorite uh, band or musician or um, photographer or whatever it might be. Uh, we're just trying to raise some funds for the uh, those in the entertainment business uh this year because this year has been dog shit for people in your industry and um i'm just trying to do the best i can to to help out because it's well, it's not good yeah what well, you do is appreciated john i thank you um i hope it goes well i i'm trying to think let's let's take a real quick look here because there is a uh, a counter here as to how much money was raised so far damn you guys already did it's only been out for today right yeah i just i just I think it posted at, at six um it was there's a hundred bucks already raised that's before awesome the, before the show started yeah but, that's crazy yeah i mean i just i i want like my goal was to put to put what is this what is this what is this <laughs> uh i just want to help out where i can and um so that's what i'm doing so awesome. fantastic Thank you guys again. I appreciate hey, it. Thanks, John. Thanks, we'll be in touch. Uh, thanks for watching, Thank you guys. guys. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.